everybody to another break the rules stream break the rules.tv we are streaming on youtube we are streaming on uh, odyssey we are streaming on d live we are even streaming on twitch if you can believe that so welcome everybody i am left poliakov at Levpo on twitter we got my main man giovanni panacchietti in the house and giant geo and we are speaking today once again with uh, Sticks, Hex, and Hammer 666, Tara Warwick, and Joel Davis, both BTR veterans, both speaking today about authoritarianism versus libertarianism. And once again, subscribe, patreon.com slash break the rules. And I got the uh, Sticks, Hex, and Hammer uh, dragon over here, <laughs> this uh, red dragon that my father created. And if you guys want a dragon like this, because my father's going to make several of these things, uh, become a patron at patreon.com slash break the rules. Exactly how I say it, that is how it's spelled. So uh, that's going to be for the $20 tier and the $50 tier, different sizes depending. So anyway, without further ado, uh, let's do a bit of introduction. Uh, let's start with uh, sticks for those who do not know your uh, political uh, views. So uh, go for it. Yes, I am a libertarian slash, I don't know, constitutionalist at this point, I suppose, not an ANCAP, so we'll get that out of the way uh, right off the bat. Uh, I believe in more limited government than what we currently have, uh, because I understand history, uh, and that's basically my political views in a nutshell. Excellent, and now let's go to uh, Joel Davis. Yeah, so my view on libertarianism is kind of complicated, I guess, because I was a libertarian at one point, and then I have a series of reasons why I could no longer hold that position, which I kind of want to go through here um, with sticks, because like my, like from a sentimental point of view, I like libertarianism. I want to be left alone. You know, I'm an Anglo-Saxon. I kind of naturally just want to be left alone to do my thing, not have like this giant like state bureaucracy uh, micromanaging everything. Um so there's two components of this. One component is I'm going to try and red pill sticks in a sense on, this, on, the, on the idea that libertarianism is incoherent unless you also believe in essentially either Christianity or some other method of deriving um, the authority of a legal system and political authority from a divine concept of sovereignty. Um, whereas if you take a popular concept of sovereignty and you try to make um, liberty compatible with uh, democracy or any kind of like secularism, that this will inevitably lead to forces that produce socialism, oligarchy, uh, bureaucratization, all the things that sticks hates as a libertarian. Um, and then the second part of what I want to argue is uh, what I call the black pill, essentially, that even if, you know, sentimentally, I would like to go back to some, you know, uh, feudal libertarianism or something, um, that this is just no longer... Um, technologically feasible. The international state system is so integrated uh, technologically, states are confronting each other in the kind of game of security composition, uh, competition, essentially. And in order for the states to be competitive with one another, they need to essentially centralize their political orders in order to develop uh, sufficient agency to, and capacity to project power and force onto other nations. Otherwise, they get made the bitch essentially of authoritarian empire. So I, I'm kind of an authoritarian realist or a technocratic realist in the sense that I just don't see a way to survive an international state system without engaging in these authoritarian political techniques so as to develop the capacity to defend yourself against um, you know, these massive authoritarian empires that now run the world essentially. So 
Oh, and Joel, what do you, for people who don't know, who are you and what do you do? You're a YouTuber and uh, if you listen. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a YouTuber. I am the managing editor of Firstness Journal. You can find that at firstness.org. And I am working with uh, the publishing company, Imperium Press. We do a podcast called the Imperium Cast and yeah, just a YouTube podcast type shit. All right, beautiful. Um, so Sticks, um, to follow up that, what is your position on the let's call it a uh, question of legitimacy of states and how would you counter uh, Joel's presupposition that a libertarian society has a fundamental flaw in terms of not just legitimacy, but also political efficacy. So what would be your rebuttal? Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of people, people who proclaim some form of authoritarianism, uh, typically straw man libertarianism as being predominantly or solely comprised of anarcho-capitalists. Now, the ANCAP wants to eliminate the state. I do agree in the existence of a state. What I argue as being maybe more of a pragmatic libertarian um, is that the state simply needs to be constrained. That is, it's there. Uh, the central structure that you're arguing for, I actually agree with you. This is where I diverge from the end caps. I don't disagree with you that you need to have some sort of underpinning, some sort of thing that holds the society together. What you're arguing is that it must be uh, religious in nature, uh, ethnic in nature, and so forth. I would argue that libertarianism in the more pragmatic sense existed for quite some generations actually in the United States and occasionally elsewhere and predominantly revolved around a civic awareness. Uh, the propaganda of foreign states to try to erode that, we see this under communism and other groups, uh, is inherently authoritarian in its form. I would further argue when you say that uh, a stronger state or a stronger central fabric is necessary to prevent uh, the invasion of some exterior force, especially in the nuclear era, I'm assuming is, is what you're getting at. Uh, again, agreed, the problem is if you're going to convert your own society into what your perceived enemy is, because you're worried about them, uh, you've lost without any fight whatsoever. We see this right now with COVID, I think. What we're doing uh, is trying to fight the China virus, but we're becoming more and more like China, suppressing misinformation through censorship, uh, everyone wearing magical cloth squares, masks that, you know, <laughs> I think that that's a trope that we can agree upon uh, is, is common in parts of Asia, especially uh, the more urban parts of China. It's quite common. Um, the facelessness, the, the formlessness of the population mm -hmm. is being openly promulgated by authoritarian forces. Um, I, I would say that that's not a society that I would particularly want to actually participate in. And why are the, why am I seeing jetpack fighters and swords? Because <laughs> you both there? have swords. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yes, but I, I would say the more pragmatic way to go about things is to further limit the authoritarian structure. I don't argue in the abolishing of a state. I'm, I'm not even a monarchist believing in a night watchman state. I simply believe that many of the functions of the U.S. government and other governments in the world have become less efficient and less helpful, and that that sort of centrally planned aspect, the problem is that it reduces efficiency, it turns you into slaves, and really at some point there's a tipping point at which you're no longer any different from any perceived exterior enemy, and there's no longer at some point I think any reason to fight. At some point um, there's, no, there's no escaping the authoritarian sort of movement not because you've been taken over, 
but simply because you've converted yourself into the enemy. It's sort of like a, a ring of power situation where you're trying to restore liberty, though, in, in some sense, uh, the ability of people to have the right of association in the Anglo-Saxon sense, maybe as you'd say, or the Christian sense. And the reason that you've done that uh, is to prevent abuse. This is what libertarianism seeks too. This is why you maintain the rudiments of a state. It's just around how you constrain it to make sure that you don't become like those forces outside. I would further say a great deal of progress has been made by countries that if not under a, an explicitly libertarian system, at least under a more limited form of government, a constitutional system like the United States until relatively recently has been, uh, you've seen the sort of progress and capability to compete with more centralized states and it's self-evident within history. It did not require as strong a state as currently exists to develop all of the technology, all of the things that we have. There were roads before the federal government got involved. The schools were top-notch before the federal government got involved. I don't argue for the abolition of a state simply for its further limitation. And the cat, by the way, is acting like a race car, so I apologize for the background noise. Well, okay, I want to I go back to Joel and uh, also ask you, Joel, where would you personally put the limitations of power in the government? How far would you prefer the government to go to be able to ensure the kind of society that you want to see? Well, I, I don't like speaking just purely in these like floating abstractions of I would prefer the government to be this or that because we live in reality. We live in material history. So we have to really embed our analysis of these things in historical reality and in, and in the constraints that places. So I think the best way to answer this is to give kind of like a quick uh, historical narrative. This is my narrative. So basically, Roman Empire falls, we get to the medieval period. Now, during the medieval period, we get the formation of what's now known as feudalism, you know, these this kind of network of, of monarchic states. Now, contrary to what a lot of moderns think, um, we're way more free under feudalism than we have ever been under you know, the modern state. Because essentially um, the concept of what the law was was so radically different. So during the medieval period, they kind of carried over Roman law and obviously they had custom, um, but basically the, the, the great jurists of medieval Europe their position was that the law expressed the will of God. So there was no capacity for the law to be ultimately changed. Even if you were king, you ultimately were still subordinated to the will of God because your authority came from God. And this was kind of administered by the church. Obviously, we have like a universal Catholic church at the time presiding over all of Europe. Um, you know, there's the schism. But anyway, the point is that it's basically presiding over Europe and if you wanted to be king, you kind of had to go along with how Christendom worked. And if you went against the church, the church could cuck you, basically. And it did. It did cuck many uh, European uh, monarchs and so forth through this time. They got too uppity and, and got too many of their own ideas. So this pr produced a, a massive constraint on the capacity for the centralization of state power because you kings couldn't just go levy taxes on the population willy-nilly just start conscripting people into their armies and so forth they had to respect individual property rights individualism was the paradigm of western society at this point everything was understood in these roman legal principles of individualism now the protestant reformation happens and in the 16th century you see the emergence of absolutist monarchy where you have 
the divine right of kings come on board. And this is essentially a way for the Northern European monarchs to basically remove themselves cynically, in my view, from the yoke of the Catholic Church in order to mm. gain authority over the church, but not just the church, the legal system. And this enables them to basically start acting as legislators. Now, previously, they were there to enforce the laws, but they weren't there to just legislate laws where they know they could make decisions, obviously, but they were very constrained. And this enables them to start centralizing authority um, and you know they can start levying taxes, they start conscripting people, they start uh, engaging in colonialism, getting colonial holdings in foreign states, they start taking loans from banks um, uh, to kind of finance greater expansion, develop larger standing armies, and they use essentially their own state as collateral. Um, and so this like forces them into this, uh, basically, you get this like massive period of war that emerges in Europe at this time. All these states are competing. They want to have the best empire. They, and, and they're constantly jostling to position. Out of this emerges the modern bureaucratic state, whether, you know, monarchies like the, the, the Prussian monarchy, the British monarchy, they're able to kind of, in a very tumultuous way, kind of adapt to this and set up bureaucratic states uh, where they kind of retain some kind of formal position. Um, or, you know, in France, obviously, it's a lot more like, you know, they have the revolution and they go all in um, on chopping off the king's head and, and going with like a full on uh, parliamentary uh, system, republic. But ultimately, it, it all kind of goes into the same direction. Where you, in, by the 19th century, we have the emergence of the nation state proper. And now we start talking about things like national security. Now everything becomes rationalized as France's interests, Prussia's interests, the British Empire's interests. And we never had this concept before. Like in the medieval Europe, uh, king the kings of Europe had private estates. They didn't have like authority over the entire geographical domain of their kingdom in the same way that the modern state does. And so anyway, so once we get this transition in modernity, you know, as obviously we have Protestantism. And so that kind of produces the divine right of kings model. But, you know, that's very uh that doesn't work too well essentially and so we bring in parliamentarianism we bring in notions of popular sovereignty this is what the enlightenment was a whole bunch of rationalizations by political philosophers you know hobbes spinoza Locke, etc talking about uh well, rousseau deriving theories of sovereignty's legitimacy that weren't derived directly from god or in convoluted ways in the case of Locke. Um, and, and now, you know, basically there are man, man participates in the formation of sovereignty. And this becomes a very effective tool to use to centralize authority because the constraints that were laid out by the idea that the law ultimately expresses the will of God and can't be changed, we no longer have those constraints. Now, if law becomes totally secularized and if man can change law according to his own whims, according to the general will, this enables, uh, you know, a greater kind of malleability of the state. The state can now break a whole bunch of principles it couldn't break before, and this enables it to gain competitive advantages against other states to further centralize authority and, and build capacity. Now, this is where, you know, cybernetics comes in because, you know, in cybernetics there's a concept, the law of requisite variety, where say you have two systems, system A, system B. System A is a control system for system B. Now we can call system A politics, let's say, I mean, call system B, let's say society. Now, the law of requisite variety says that the capacity of system A to control system B is dependent on its requisite complexity. So the more complex system A becomes, the more control it can exert over system B. And in order to develop full control over system B, it has to like match its complexity. So states end up, uh, you know, having to, in order to extract greater and greater control over society, they have to complexify, they have to bureaucratize, they have to create more and more departments, more and more reasons to expand. 
And at the same time, you get democracy come in, popular will. And so what you get with democracy is essentially there's, there's two forces, vote buying, which we can call socialism, where you just promise the plebs a bunch of free shit paid for with other people's money. And then they vote you in and then you give them gibs, so to speak. And then that produces a, a dependency upon your power and they just keep voting for you. And the other aspect of this is oligarchy, which is that if you want to create a um, you want to create political parties, you want to create policymaking institutions, they need to be funded by someone. And if you want to be successful and get into power, um, you need a lot of money. You need to have a whole like media team. You need to have a campaign team, et cetera. Um, you need to have this whole bureaucratic administrative enterprise just to win elections and, and hold government. And so that requires intense organization, which produces these like this centralization of agency. And at the same time, this produces the necessity for kind of policy orthodoxy so that you can market them to donors so that you can say to a donor, we're going to have this, 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 and this policy. If you donate money to us, that's what we're going to do for the next five years or the next 10 years. And so you have basically central planning of the political system uh, that then gets sold to oligarchic interests. And that's like, you know, corporate lobbying. Everyone knows about this. So, so this is what happens. So the state has these incentives then to basically keep centralizing and growing the bureaucracy, finding reasons to grow the bureaucracy in order to serve the interests of the oligarchy or the plebs in order to rationalize the centralization of power. And that's, and that's modernity. That's what we have now. And if we can, we can talk about libertarianism all we want, but the only way to go back to it would be to basically take the Kaczynski pill, rip apart the entire industrial system, de-bureaucratize all society, and then become like trad cats or something. But I don't think uh, Sticks really wants to do that. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. can, can I respond to that? Uh, first and foremost, yes. the feudal the feudal period was not a, a period of propertarian libertarian uh, ideology. You're talking about an extremely small proportion of the population lording over other people as though they were nothing more than slaves it's called serfdom. Um, what actually ends up promulgating what you could call at least a proto libertarian approach in the sense of more people owning their own property and not having to work for a lord that then taxes them at 90% in lieu of a strong central state that became largely impossible after the fall of the empires period. Now, what you actually get is the Black Plague kills off so many of the nobles and wipes out so much of the population density that people are capable of rebuilding. Um, these periods of high stress often cause high centralization, followed by a period of libertarianism. We even see this in the founding of the United States. One reason why the, what you could call at least classically liberal approach worked there is because people continuously expanded westward for more than a century. Um, population density is something that's definitely a problem for the more purist versions of libertarianism. But what you're talking about, again, is predominantly fixating on the straw man of libertarianism as wanting to regress to some point in the past. I would say that it is fairly futuristic. The concept of the rights of man in the constitutional sense is a, is a more recent invention by and large in its modern form and has actually been helpful. I've seen uh, people say, well, there's no libertarian state in the world. You're fundamentally correct. But the states that you would want to move to typically have more libertarian elements. It's not a, a state where you're taxed at 95%. It's not a state where the government tells you what you can and cannot say or believe. It's not a state that enforces uh, all of these things on you. Typically, where a person would want to move, and <laughs> the immigration then becomes another problem to tackle, which I'm certainly not a puristic LP member on. Uh, I do believe in actually having a border for various reasons. Um, 
the states that people would want to move to are the less authoritarian states. Again, I don't argue for the abolition of a state, and I don't argue for the abolition of all state authority, because one of the main uh, tenets of true libertarianism is the, con is the concept of the NAP. The state has to exist or some other authority capable of dealing with abuse that comes from without, which is why you feel the military, and abuse that comes from within, that's why you have courts, police, etc. It's in properly utilizing these things that, that progress happens. The problem is that the government over time, as you said yourself, becomes more bureaucratized, more centralized, more authoritarian. You appear to be uh, of the mind that that happens primarily because of, of welfare and Gibbs from a, a democratic system. But as we've seen, that centrality also exists in systems that are either only a facade democracy, you'd think of uh, the USSR perhaps, uh, or systems that are outright non-democratic one-party states like China, certainly a very authoritarian system in many ways, um, just as imperialistic and warmongering as the West, by the way, uh, or systems in which there's not even a semblance of democracy, dictatorships. Um, if you have maximized the centrality uh, and achieve some sort of slave-like equilibrium in which nobody outside of the, the party core really has any uh, say or anything, uh, you don't need any more centrality because you've already gone way to the other side of the political spectrum, I suppose. Uh, but that means that you are under a, a tyrannical system. I would further point out uh, the idea that the, the democratic construct is more modern, uh, again, technically it's antiquated. It dates to Athens and things of that nature. Uh, does that direct democracy work? No, for reasons that you point out, but they didn't have a constitutional system in the same way. What I argue for, my, my solution is not let's go back to feudalism because that's the opposite of libertarianism. What I argue for is simply expanding the constitution to prevent abuse and also using our minds to realize that the things that happened in the late 1700s with regards to the movement towards the rights of man constitutionalism, while it was a good idea, it didn't go far enough, actually. It wasn't libertarian enough. Nobody back then conceived of a time in which the public square, for example, with the technology we're literally using now, would be dominated by a handful of corporations, for-profit groups that, again, in a very authoritarian manner, tie in with government, literally platform government workers and figures, donate to them, get kickbacks from them, subsidies from them. They all work together to combat the disinfo, combat the propaganda. The biggest uh, generational problem and, and, and I think you look like you're a millennial, maybe around my age, a little bit younger, something like that. One of the biggest generational problems we face isn't even government power at this point. It's gotten worse. The government taxes you too much, wages too many wars and exerts too much influence. But now they have their lackeys, their partners doing the same thing in the United States sense. Uh, specifically. Uh, we've got a government that now is attempting to privatize constitutional workarounds to erode the protections that were already there that worked for several hundred years. If anything, we need more of those protections more broadly applied, not the abolition of the state, not, hey, all taxation is theft. Everyone should build their own roads. It's fine to have some centrality in a system. I argue that we've got too much of it. That's all I argue. Well, I, let's oh, and, and also, and also, I just want to make sure that uh, Joel can uh, answer the first point that you brought up, sticks having to do with feudalism being uh, much more of a uh, slavery type uh, situation than the libertarian one. Yeah, uh, than uh, and by yeah, the so, way, uh, shout out to Keith Woods in the chat. Love to have you on, brother. So, so uh, Joel, let me know what you think about uh, Sticks' opinion there on uh, feudalism. 
Yeah, so this this like modernist concept that feudalism was like super oppressive and that the, the serfs were like slaves. I mean, this just simply isn't at all accurate. I mean, the um, based on like you know, we can like bicker about history, but I mean, like I've seen historical evidence that shows, on average, if you were a peasant in say medieval Britain, um, in order to pay your feudal rents, we're talking like you know one week of work per year, basically equivalent of your harvest that you're shelling out to this guy. And, you know, there needs to be some kind of security. Um, so, I mean, like Sticks is, is he's not an ANCAP, right? So he accepts you to have some kind of security state. And that's essentially what the aristocracy and the monarchy provided. If anyone tried to invade um, these lands, they would defend it. So they provided this basic security uh, capacity for a pretty, like, compared to today, like the feudal rents were way lower than like what modern taxation is. I mean, that's just a fact. Um, yeah, but no, no, well, no, no, I, that, there I've got to jump in really briefly, and at least in the United States system, a significant proportion of the population pays negative taxes. So why would 15% be or, or 20% or whatever it was, and I question whether that's actually legitimate in many cases, why would that be lower than a negative tax rate, the government literally redistributing to other people? How would that yeah, have anything a, to do with that? But I would say sticks that that's kind of a simplification of the way that taxes are distributed among like goods and so forth and the way that certain um, poorer regions of the United States face other um, socioeconomic problems that might as well be taxed. You know, there's- But, but, but if you're paying a negative tax rate, the, the, the serf class of, of feudalism, mm -hmm. which was the largest class, of course, at that time, the, the mercantile middle class existed, but it was more limited until the Renaissance post-plague. Um, if they were paying any taxes at all, technically they were paying considerably hmm. more than a negative tax rate. In our current society, we take more wealth from the upper class and redistribute it to the lower class. Um, I, I don't even necessarily agree with the current tax structure being remotely as it is. Um, that being said, the idea that the feudal serf paid less taxes than a poor person today is flat out wrong. I'm not a poor person, I'm talking like the, the middle class who actually do work. Of course, now we have this mm -hmm. system where the people at the very top pay fuckle because they move all their wealth into like tax havens and shit like this. And then poor people are getting gibs uh, so that they keep voting. Yeah, they're enabled to do so by, by the government. But the squeeze, the squeeze is put on, on, on the middle class will it actually do the yeah. work and, and actually the working class and the, and the middle class, right? And and so that that's the kind of equivalent I see of, you know, your 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 peasants the people who actually did the work who actually you know produced in medieval society now anyway we don't really need to get into some whole debate about feudalism because my point was more about medieval law and about how medieval law was you know had an individualist conception of property at its core yeah and, but, the, but the point and, was and, wrong because that was only for for the one no, percent that's, 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 that's incorrect the the there was many protections for serfs under that that legal structure like and, prime and octa and and the, and this essential uh like the essential paradigm of medieval law there was no concept of like a state that had sovereign authority to kind of do what it liked is my point even like the king had a private estate and his relationship to you know the aristocrats was relations between property owners not a, not a top-down i can tell you to do whatever the hell i want to do it wasn't this like hyper totalitarian system or something um which is which is very different than you know, the modern state. Anyway, 
whatever, because I, I think debating feudalism may be like, this is the point of what I want, because I'd rather talk about now. And mm. No, and but if you're talking about now, Joel, the solution that you see to now has to do with going to a model that's very similar to uh, the model of feudalism. So that's why even if we no, don't I don't, talk I don't about see it no, as I feasible. think he was arguing more for, for the more absolutist monarchies like later on, right? Mm. Well, that's mm. why I don't get the uh, Ted pill, because you did say, Joel, that since you don't know, really Joel's arguing of... against that. I'm he saying, if, that I'm saying absolute... if you want to be a libertarian, you would have to take the Ted pill mm. and rip apart industrial society because industrial society, because of the administrative requirements of forming large institutions, where you're talking about a corporation, like a big corporation or a political party or what have you, the administrative requirements of managing these massive institutions that are only possible with kind of mass organization of society that comes with like post-industrial revolution, this then implies oligarchic um, structures. Like every, like it's like uh, Mencius Moldbug always makes this point that like every corporation is a monarchy essentially. Like there's no, there's no like democratic organization of microsoft or you know google or facebook or something they have mm. a ceo that acts like an, it's, it's autocratic right because these are the these are the structures that work um uh and that's how you have to administer complex bureaucratic systems there have to be there has to be kind of a like if you just think about it from the kind of pragmatic level of if you have a any kind of uh rational bureaucratic structure you basically need checks and balances so there's somebody who has the right to look at what you're doing and, and decide, hmm, you're doing the right thing or you're doing the wrong thing. And I'm going to remove you or I'm going to discipline you or reprimand you or tell you to do something else or change your position, change your role. So you need to have this structure of authority that eventually goes to the top. And it's the same with the legal system. And this is why like constitutionalism is something inherently problematic with it if you take away the Christianity and you have a secularized constitutionalism, which is, okay, so who has the authority to interpret the constitution? So we have the Supreme Court. And if you get a bunch of, uh, you know, Democrat picks, if Joe Biden packs the court or something, and you get a bunch of um, leftists uh, take a majority on the Supreme Court, they come up with all these crazy interpretations that like the Supreme, like that the, the Constitution legalizes abortion and that we're going to legalize gay marriage and all. They, get, they legislate from the bench, basically. Hmm. They take liberties. It's, and the, it's the jurisprudential philosophy of what they call realism, which is they believe that they should interpret the law according to the moral standards of the day, which just happen to be whatever progressives or libtards think is true. Whereas on the other side, you have the conservatives. And usually these people are Catholics. Actually, like a lot of the Supreme Court justices are Catholics. Um, to be the conservative ones, and they believe no, the law has an inherent meaning uh, that we need, they're, they're formalists that they try to preserve and they try to protect against leftists taking liberties with the constitution to to reinterpret it. And this is the dynamic of of like American constitutionality. But the problem with this is that conservatives um, they are always kind of like adjusting themselves. As if you look at American history, a bunch of leftists will reinterpret the constitution to suit themselves. And then conservatives will just kind of come along and just say, oh, well, that's what the constitution means now. They protect that for the next generation and so forth. And we just get this well, progressive. Well, Joel, go hey, can in. I, go, can go, I point, yeah. Lev, can I point out something really quick, though? Sure. Can, uh, if, if you're relying upon religiosity to save, I don't know, constitutionalist system or whatever, uh, why didn't it save it before in, in the 50s or 60s when 90 plus percent of the population were, were Christians? We and, it was over, and it was overwhelmingly white, too. Because it's a secularized society, so it's not just having like Christ, like it's like a, just having Christians in the population. It's different than having than how institutions work. So under you know the pre-modern system, you had the Catholic Church actually had oversight over the the legal order. 
right? Where there's no, there's no like formalized church oversight, the separation of church and state. You have totally secularized institutions. And so the Supreme Court, essentially, it always seems to make decisions through American history in favor of centralizing government authority. You look at um, after the, you know, the, uh, the kind of battles between the Supreme Court and Lincoln, the Supreme Court ends up cucking to Lincoln and allowing Lincoln to essentially violate all of the rights of the Confederate States and violate and habeas corpus, corpus and all kinds of yeah. shit. FDR is another great example where FDR basically cucks the Supreme Court to kind of push through the New Deal and his progressive agenda and so forth. And this is what you get through American history. Mm. It's this progressive centralization of authority to the mm. federal government and the increased bureaucratization of society. But then, Joel, then, why not, then why not prevent that through a stronger constitution as a libertarian, a more pragmatic one like me would suggest? In because order the Constitution is only influence. as good as the person who has the authority to interpret it. And that means you're putting someone in authority to interpret that Constitution. Mm. That's well, why you use much more. That's why you use much more specific language. Parts of the Constitution were explicitly meant to be able to be interpreted multiple ways. And even the founders would argue this. Uh, I believe Jefferson actually pointed out that concept. Uh, what I would say is that now uh, in more modern times, you're offering a solution which is, well, you know, the bureaucracy and stuff is, is innate. We'll just change the way in which the authoritarianism works to be more like the authoritarianism that you or someone like you may like. And that may not even, by the way, happen. More likely to go off in the other direction, possibly, unfortunately. Now, or you can reform that system using what has worked and simply elaborating upon and improving it. Again, that doesn't mean that there's no authority of the state. It simply means that you have withdrawn some of its capabilities. So SCOTUS can interpret things as easily because the language is much more clear. The legislature okay, so who, is more hamstrung in making laws and so forth. Who's checking SCOTUS then? Because SCOTUS, you know, the idea that like the Supreme Court has the sovereign authority to interpret the constitution, the Supreme Court decided that for itself actually on um, like at the very beginning of the Republic. Jefferson believed I'm president. I can interpret the Constitution however the fuck I want to. And fuck you, the Supreme Court. And he actually wanted to abolish the Supreme Court and replace it with a kind of uh, a, a kind of council of governors uh, or appointees from the states um, because he thought it was a mistake. But the Supreme Court won. Ultimately, they they gave themselves a kind of centrality to to the law, and they they're kind of almost like a monarchy in a sense, like a kind of constitutional monarchy over the United States at this point. Now. In order to take away their authority to interpret the Constitution, you need to put someone else above them who's able to say, actually, Supreme Court, you made the wrong decision. The Constitution actually means this. And then you just reproduce the same problem ad infinitum. You're always going to have to put someone. Oh, yeah, in, the Constitution in, in, in is. But that's the thing. The Constitution was meant to be the one that subjugated all of these other branches of government. So simply strengthen the Constitution more, make it clear, literally add an amendment preventing SCOTUS from uh, its limitless decisions. So then who's interpreting this amendment? Like, is the president going to tell SCOTUS you violated this amendment or is, or is, so then the president's now in charge of constitutional if it's, interpretation? If it's, if it's explicit enough, then there's no interpretation particularly meaningful to that discussion. Have you seen some of the American Supreme Court decisions? Some of them are obvious bullshit. Like, like and some of them are Wade, really, for example. Yeah. And some of them are really great, like Chicago versus McDonald, Heller versus DC, and actually end up undoing prior decisions that were unfortunate, like Crookshank. We're moving, again, there are some, I, I would agree with you, we're moving in a more authoritarian direction in some ways. 
In some ways, though, there is a glimmer of hope. The, as SCOTUS is the ultimate boogeyman is the result of the fact that it will inevitably make decisions that any given group of people in the United States do not like. If you're religious or non-religious, you're left wing, you're right wing, you're anti-gun, pro-gun, pro-free speech, absolutist like me, you hate free speech, you're like uh, Oprah or something. Everyone gets pissed off at SCOTUS decisions. It is inevitable. But they also get pissed off at the legislature, and the legislature clearly can get cucked by SCOTUS in undoing their laws. There are some cases in which I would agree with those decisions to do so, and some in which I wouldn't. Uh, so would you. So would literally anyone else. And this has been a thing since literally the inception, the very, the very uh, uh, idea of having some sort of council or tribunal or group of judges capable of rendering those decisions inevitably will cause the problem of people not agreeing with all of the decisions. Yeah, but but that doesn't mean that there's the ultimate uh, boogeyman destroying oh, liberty. By the way, I, wa I wanted to get a better <laughs> idea of Joel's specific uh, vision here, because if you are not for the uh, Ted Kaczynski pill in this case, then how would you describe your uh, ideal scenario as far as who gets to have the final say and why? Well, my position, like, I'll segue from the Supreme Court thing to that, which is, if you look at, you know, where the Supreme Court justices come from, they don't just like, pluck them out of the ether. There are very specific institutions in the United States. You have to go to one of these elite universities, get your um, legal education, join these particular societies that get selected by politicians that have funding from particular donor classes to even like get, be a name on the list that might get selected for the Supreme Court. So. So the Supreme Court is is a reflection of this more underlying uh, kind of reality of power. Um, and the Supreme Court constantly makes decisions throughout American history to centralize power to itself and to the and to the federal government consistently. This is a trend. Um, and that's just like a structural reality of the system. Now, my view is that, again, structurally, because we live in a very complex in, in terms of organization society, because of the industrial revolution and now I guess like the information age has only exasperated this, the complexity of human organization requires um, bureaucracy. When you, I, I, it's uh, Robert Michel's, which fantastic book he wrote, Political Parties, which is a classic of, of sociology um, from the Italian elitist school. He says, when organization is oligarchy, like they're essentially, when you say organization, you say oligarchy because the very nature of bureaucracy as I said, it, it kind of distributes agency um, top down necessarily because of the capacity for bureaucratic review. If I'm doing something and someone is above me and has the authority to have oversight over what I'm doing, that person is an authority over me. And that's how all complex institutional organization works in every field that humans engage in in general. So authority is the very structure of the organization of society and it's only getting more and more complex and therefore it's only getting more and more centralized the reason why i said kaczynski pills because kaczynski understood this and said this is disastrous for freedom mm. and in order to return to freedom we're going to have to pull apart the entire industrial system now my view is that isn't feasible so because it's like you would need to commandeer the industrial system in order to pull it apart you need to create the very thing you're trying to destroy it's the same kind of problem with the whole constitutional thing you have to create in order to limit government, you have to create a piece of government that's an authority over limiting government. So you say this piece of government decides how to limit government, but then who limits that part of the government that gets to limit the other part of the government. So you're just kicking the can down the road, distributing authority down this chain, but it, you never actually get around it. Um, so my view is you just have to accept this. 
And then to the question is, okay, so we're getting like, you know, the, as I said before, the working and middle classes are getting squeezed by this system because the powerful, they want to sabotage any threats to their power. So they ally with the plebeians. So they import a bunch of Mexicans. They ally with, you know, all of these victim groups um, and give them elevated positions in society to get their loyalty. And then the people that are less dependent on them for, for things, which is like the kind of the actual common man, the, the, the working and middle classes, white men, if you will, they get jettisoned and sabotaged from engaging with society because they're less dependent upon this ideological superstructure. If you're, if you're um, running a large institution in society, so you're running a major corporation, there, there is a ruling class. And that ruling class has a certain ideology of governance that produces this dependency, right? That, 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 that rationalizes the dependency of the weak, of, 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 the, of the, vic the kind of token victims upon the system. And so you either parrot that and go along with that um, and then, you know, you get to be included in the ruling class, enter into coalition with it, or you come out against it, in which case they attack you and sabotage you and destroy you. So it's all about creating loyalty to this centralized power system. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to fight it, you would need to basically build um, a, a, an authoritarian system that could compete with it. You have to build something just as complex, just as well organized. And that would also require all of these same kinds of authority, but it would have to reflect um, a different ideology, a, a, a different rash, structural rationale. We have to like defend the people that are getting screwed by this current system. Like when Caesar comes to power in ancient Rome, he you know basically allies with the plebs against the patricians, right? The 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 aristocracy essentially of um, of the Roman Republic. Uh, he wanted to minimize their power, so then he reaches below them to the plebs, and then he creates that alliance, and that helps him to get around it. Alexander the Great, he allies with a bunch of Persians against his own people. Uh, like, you know, Joe Biden imports a bunch of Mexicans to vote for him at the next election. This is just how power works. Um, and so in order to create any kind of resistance to the current system, if you're one of the people that are getting squeezed in the middle, now you're the pleb. And now you're kind of looking for Caesar to come along to ally with to kind of knock out this current coalition. That seems to be the only feasible politics. You could call it right-wing authoritarianism or fascism or nationalism or whatever you want to call it. But something like that would be necessary, in my view, to defend our interests. Otherwise, we're just going to keep getting fucked. I mean, to me, that's mm -hmm. it's, it's as simple as that. Sticks. What, what, yeah. what I would say is that that's like saying that you're being poisoned by arsenic, so you put it down and start drinking cyanide. It's interesting that you bring up uh, Rome, uh, specifically because it was the slew of bad leaders that they had. This is a great example of authoritarian systems. Rome under the emperors had some leaders that were extremely good, very efficient, won many victories, were beloved by the people, and everyone wanted to sing their praises. It also had really crappy leaders. In the end, the preponderance was that even if every other leader was really good, the crappy ones could piss away the wealth of the people and screw things faster than the good ones could rebuild it. This was an authoritarian system, a more autocratic system than it had been. The inefficiencies and problems of having a more legislatively based system prior uh, were amplified under the bad emperors and more diminutive under the good ones. So the old inefficiency was gone. You got rid of that one poison. What you instituted in sense uh, instead uh, was, was a system in which you have these rapid ups and downs so that any time an emperor dies, everyone's like probably biting their fingernails hoping that the next one is better or at least as good if the last one was good. And unfortunately, over time, this destroyed the empire. 
things, infrastructure was neglected, <laughs> infrastructure, the walls of Rome were slowly, slowly receded and then were taken down and rebuilt for interior aqueducts and so forth, they were all neglected uh, by that group. It's very funny <clears throat> because that parallel system, which also was Christian based for hundreds of years, uh, actually post-Constantine, um, had, had a lot of the same problems that, that we see now. And, and of course the yeah. American system and the Western system could collapse. What I'm saying is that the way to stop that is to go back to what worked before and amplify what was good. Uh, and maybe leave out some of that which clearly did not work. You're claiming that to replace one failing authoritarian structure, you replace it with another. This historically doesn't particularly work well, though. It leads to the collapse of societies. If anything, it would hasten the demise of the United States because the poison that you're drinking is the authoritarianism. That's the whole problem. Well, my view is that the, the, the United States has a ruling class. And, it, and, you know, I live in Australia, obviously I'm an Australian, but I live in the American empire, essentially. So the ruling class is more or less the same across the Anglosphere. And you could even argue perhaps in Western Europe, or there's a bit more complicated there. And so anyways, so I'm subjected to this ruling class and this ruling class fucking hates me and everyone like me. And they're designing society with this social engineering project to minimize people like me's political agency and power and make us the scapegoats of everything bad in world history so that they can create this coalition of people against us to secure that are dependent upon their um, scapegoating, essentially, of people like me and my interests. Um, and they're sabotaging, uh, you know, they're essentially sabotaging the American economy, for example, with this globalist project, because what the elite want is they want to have a whole bunch of holdings all over the world where they can move their money into tax havens, they can move their money out of the United States, they don't have to pay taxes and they're outside the oversight of the US government so they can get power from that and then use that to then basically exert political agency over the United States and control the United States from without. They're taking a kind of exterior position. Whereas if you had a more nationalist system where the state became uh, able to kind of bring all of these uh, corporate interests, all of these financial interests under its authority, um, they wouldn't like that, right? They wouldn't, that, that's why they're freaking out about Nazis and so forth, because that's that's the kind of system that would get implemented. It would, be, it would, it would destroy the financial interests, like the elite financial interests. Mm. Um, so they don't want that because it would be a different coalition. It would be the authority over the state allying with the working and middle classes against essentially the globalists, these financial, like the, the kind of uh, academic but, but Joel, elites. But so Joel, after that, though, do you give any credence to Six's uh, points about that system not lasting uh, that long at all and just collapsing in on itself because of the authoritarian tendencies that are going to be on display? Well, yeah, every 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 civilization eventually collapses. I mean, but not eventually. I mean, let's uh, let's give a number here. How long would you say something like that would last? Because uh, Spangler you... said about maybe 500 years and then winter period. All right, Tara, I think, well, well, I think, last see, I think, years. He, I think yeah. he could just institute a more constitutional system and regardless of whether it was an ethno-nationalistic style state or a diverse or whatever one, uh, it would be able to last longer. It would prolong that particular state. That's but what I would posit. I think the central claim, though, sticks is that um, these various sort of post-enlightenment mechanisms, whether it's the constitution or the general will or so forth, that I think Joel is... And other reactionaries would argue that these metrics are sort of a pale imitation of 
something that was much more, uh, let's call it primordial in the human experience of what political power is. But I would say that in terms of Roman law, I mean, it seems that there's a lot of parallels between our situation because even Roman law, um, if you, for example, read people like Giorgio Agamben, they talk about how there still was various exceptions for certain populations that they were sort of unpersoned by the law. Um, and nowadays we, you know, ironically enough, have the same sort of uh, discourse going on. Um, and I, I think other uh, more, let's call them, uh, let's call them reactionary thinkers like Duhuvenal, they would talk about how Rome ultimately collapsed because of their sort of indifference to various other uh, ethnic and religious groups at their margins. So I, I don't know what you would make of those arguments, um, whether these metrics of containing power are ultimately going to be imperfect compared to what the sort of uh, ritualistic apparatuses that used to instantiate power among granted much smaller populations. But uh, are you talking to me or to Joel? Oh, well, I guess you and then Joel. Yeah. No, uh, what I would say is that you can recreate those power structures and still have a constitutional system. They're not mm. incompatible. Uh, the fact that they existed before the concept of such a system existed doesn't mean they can't coexist. And I've pointed this out when I've argued with many people before, more reactionary, fascistic, white nationalists and stuff, that that element of liberty, if you're talking about how bureaucracy and all these things, this organization is now innate because it has promulgated itself, so has the constitutionalist system. Uh, while most constitutions in the world uh, fall far flat, the concept is still there. The concept that there are certain rights of the population, even if imperfect, even if the system's not limited enough, still do exist. How then would you at least eliminate that system and not cause that to metastasize? Because in some cases it has. There are people in the there, world today, you, there are people in the world that are moving more towards libertarianism. You'd think of the Czech Republican guns or something like that. Well, like, like I said to you at the beginning, I would like to live in a more libertarian society if we're just talking about what I'd like in terms of what mm -hmm. would be a nice society to live in. But wait, I'm speaking like this because I'm thinking about war in, I'm thinking about politics as war by other means, essentially. Because that's essentially what we're being subjected to. The people who run society, they aren't thinking about, you know, what would be a really nice, like, you know, way for everyone to just, you know, have this like really efficient and well-organized system. They're thinking about... How do we hold power? How do we uh, prevent anyone who would challenge our power from ever assembling uh, sufficient hmm. resources and agency to oppose us? And but that's I'm the saying, same thing you want, so though. So politics is more by another means. It's very Foucauldian. Of no, no but here's what I don't get, Joel. <laughs> isn't this the exact same thing that you want, only you want uh, uh, slash our guys to be in charge? thinking that they're going to maintain the kind of system that would be beneficial yeah. for the middle class. It would be better, yeah, yeah, because if they created us, if we if, if we were to create a, re, a kind of political resistance, if, a, if, a, if a, a kind of alternative political movement was to oppose the current system, by definition, it would have to develop a coalition out of the system's enemies, right? Enemy of my enemy is my friend. At first, so, but then you don't see any metastasization going on with well, that kind yeah, of system. Maybe, but we're this, going, where, point, where are you going to have this, brown nosing going on? This is, but this is no, the no game but at this point, advanced liberal democracy, you, you can, they you select out there. for a certain... I guess the argument is that they select out for... You could sit on the edge and just be like, well, I'm a libertarian and I just believe in these libertarian principles and then the whole world's just going to happen and you're going to still oh, be no, sitting I'm there talking about libertarianism. Oh, no, I'm saying we need to strive towards them. I'm suggesting the kind of political movement you are as well. 
The problem is that your system, um, self-admittedly, already existed uh, and devolved uh, therefrom. The libertarian system is desperately in need of repair, but it has not fully devolved. If anything, it's actually spread further. At least, I'm not saying libertarianism in any puristic sense. The the concept of, for instance, constitutions of the basic rights of individuals uh, are something that is spread further. The idea of the homogenized state (laughs) as a whole of American imperialism. Well, 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 the the problem the problem with your argument is that you're doing the same fallacy that all authoritarian groups tend to, which is that. Once our guys take over, everything will be hunky-dory, even though the reason that you feel socially alienated is they already have that power and were displaced. Now, I'm not saying that's good or that that's virtuous in any way. I'm not a worshiper of the diversity nonsense that we see today. I believe that people have the right of association. What I'm saying is that the underlying reason for that displacement initially was the erosion of constitutionalism. It was the erosion of the civic understanding that we had the United States, at least through the mid-atomic era, That's of the concept now. of civic awareness. It's well, no, because that actually existed and can return quite easily. Well, I, I, I see some signs that, that, was, that, that was based American society in the 19th century, or even early 20th century. Was was <laughs> I mean, light by the years. way, Breakthrough Rules is funded by Peter Thiel. By the way. <laughs> it, it, it was it was it was light years ahead of in terms of like civic engagement, in terms of the education system, in terms of and it was a completely different media environment as well. Like the like. If you watch television from the 1960s or the 1970s where they talk about politics, you're like, wow, this is like 25, 30 IQ points above what it's like. Yeah. Firing line. Some, yeah. Something today. So there's well, been this massive degeneration of civic society. And, and, and so- imagine and imagine what an authoritarian system with a sub IQ power base would look like. That would look probably even worse than the ones no, that uh, came ima- before. Yeah. Imagine this, why would the power structures that you incept, even if they're initially incepted with a noble purpose, which is to guard you and your ideology, why would they not, why would the people in power not become corrupt under, you know, your system where everyone's a white Christian or whatever? Why would that be exactly? Yeah, well, may, may, like, I think all systems are going to have um, an element of corruption in them. But if you have a system that's founded with an ethic that doesn't hate me, and doesn't hate the people that I care about and doesn't actively try to sabotage the capacity for like a, a kind of conventional society to organize itself, but instead projects this retarded ideology on us and forces us into, I mean, look at, look at what's being done right now with uh, like, you know, the COVID thing, like the global warming narrative. This is what happens. We have this bureaucracy where a whole bunch of intellectuals get together and, and say, here's all the problems we should care about. And the solution to these problems is you should give all these organizations that we work for more money. If, if Saddam Hussein has got chemical, uh, has got you know weapons of mass destruction. So the Pentagon says, we've figured that out. Give us $5 trillion over the next 15 years yeah. to solve the problem. The UN says, our scientists have all decided that global warming is going to destroy the planet. So let's create this massive international bureaucracy that we organize of course and give us billions and billions of dollars so that we can administer this you know global government or whatever that's 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 how the current system works that that is actively hostile to us it's like are you going to oppose it or are you just going to be like uh, like well you know we should all be more libertarian but like it's like you've got to fight like it, when when the united states well fought, liberty is how you oppose that form of abuse it's just that you limit it to my particular kind of person is being abused I go further than that and say, I don't want anyone to be abused. I want to control the government. No one wants anyone to be abused. Yeah, exactly. I want to control those power structures (laughs) enough so that they're not 
is capable of abusing people in the way that you perceive. The, the irony is that uh, you went into this initially basically pointing this out. You, you like the idea of a libertarian system. Your only problem is the pragmatism of it. I'm showing you though, I'm trying to red pill you as you have tried me, which is to show you there is actually a way to achieve that. It's just that the power structures that be, why do you think, for example, at this point, there are arguably more fascists on Twitter than there are libertarians? Well, I mean, who are they trying to silence? There's a reason for that. They're terrified of the idea of people actually wanting a representative government. I go a little bit further because some libertarians, they have this wonky fuck the state entirely view. Uh, mine leans more into populism. I think that if people want their government to represent them, you, you say as, as a white male individual, you're Christian, uh, I don't know, middle class or, or whatever, you're presumably not Bill Gates and, and you're not living you know, in a trash can. Um, if you want to be represented, reform the representative system that exists and preempt it from engaging in the kind of toxic behaviors that you've identified, which are actually the problem. We don't even disagree on that. I just, I just look at the system and I say it's got too much authority, and that authority has allowed it to promulgate censorship. It has allowed it to engage in propaganda against people like you and people like me repeatedly now for decades. It didn't do that because it was more too constrained. It's because it has too much money in, in leftoid uh, sense. It has but, too but much I, power. I think the only way you could constrain it is to develop an organization that is powerful enough to constrain it, in which case you've just kicked the can down the road to another powerful institution. You can never, once, once like the, the kind of toothpaste is out of the tube is basically my argument. And you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's, it's, it's everywhere now. And it's like, you, you got to, now we are kind of sucked into this game where we have, like, it's like in, in World War II, Hitler completely mobilizes German society. Stalin completely mobilizes Russian society for the war effort. The entire, entire society is bureaucratically organized purely as a war machine. And the United States has to do the same thing in order to compete. The Japanese did the same thing as well. And the United States could be like, well, you know, we want liberty, blah, blah, blah. But it was the only way to win was to do this. And the United States could have sat back and just allowed these states to win. And if they did that, um, then we would have a very different world where I, mean, I presumably, I don't think it would have necessarily been maybe worse. I don't know. It's hard to say. But the, well, there was, there was the also States a difference with the, uh, with the Meiji Restoration, if we're talking about Japan, for instance, <laughs> versus the uh, uh, progress that uh, the Soviet Union made in uh, becoming Look, a lot more technological. So, so I think was, America picked was the wrong brutal, allies right? in the war. But the, but the, <laughs> yeah, I believe this as well, because the, the Stalin only was able to beat Hitler because of all this lend lease and everything FDR gave him. FDR loves Stalin. But the point... That's, uh, that's that true, actually. The, the point, yeah. the, the point that, that needs to be driven home here is if the United States sat back and allowed this to happen, eventually one of these states would have won. Maybe the Germans would have won, maybe the Russians would have won, whatever. And then they would have started trying to get Brazil to become communist or something. Or, or they would have tried to try to flip states in the, United, in, in the American continent against the US. And they would have eventually developed so much power because they had much larger territories and resource access and so forth. They could have cucked the United States in many ways. So the United mm -hmm. States, that's, that was the calculation FDR had to make was either I basically kind of imitate my enemies or I, I allow my enemies to gain an advantage over me and then I get cucked or we get cucked, like, so to speak. And, and this is like, the, this is constantly what political leaders have been doing for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's how we got from where we were to where we are. That's how the modern state was developed. And so 
this idea that someone can just come along and say, well, we should just have this like constitutional system and just limit authority. Like, like th that's just not going to fucking work. Like there's no, there's no mechanism in place by which you can enforce that. And there's every incentive. Like you look my, at like, my the Chinese. Question would be, my question would be why though? Why is the concept that a person should have basic civil rights and be able to express themselves? How is that incompatible with a state capable of fielding, for example, a modern military? I mean, we, we already were doing that a hundred so years ago. <laughs> so now we're in, no, but now we're in, you know, the era of fourth or fifth generation warfare even. Where it's the current capacity, year. Things like have capacity, changed. No, but your capacity to well, psyop yeah. other populations or be or, or defend against other states psyoping your population is now just as integral to warfare as anything else. And so... That's why we've Basically, got 4chan to fight the meme wars yeah. for us. It's already privatized. If I were to be a de devil's advocate real quick for uh, Joel, I guess if I really think oh, about it... Oh, that's a rarity, love. Yeah, no, I guess the idea is like <laughs> if I really think about it, then the uh, fighting that uh, you want to do sticks when it comes to defending liberty, which I am absolutely for, maybe that's something that uh, requires... Uh, a lot more, a lot more intellectual effort. It requires more nuance. While, let's say, violence and just more animalistic tendencies that all of us have—they're well, uh, always going to be there. They're always it's going not to be there in the back. It's, it's no. not animalistic. It's structural because in order no, no, to it engage, would be animalistic to force people no. to do one thing versus another. So the actual utilization mm. of force upon people that would exist in an authoritarian system uh, would be more animalistic, I would argue. But well, that is something one other, that's like close. It's not animalistic. It's, it's organization is technological. Technolo <laughs> technology is the opposite of that. It's artificial because it requires mass coordination of millions of people into very complex tasks that rely upon massive fields of knowledge uh from every like from all the different scientific disciplines to administrate this giant war machine that is now the united states or china or what have you and if you don't have the capacity to build something like that the states that do are going to destroy you they're going to fuck you up and it's just no, that's, so technological, that's technological so, so because the, the outside the so because so because the outside force might abuse you you have to become internally abusive so that then you can't even like fight against the abuse uh, as much because it can legalize its own abuse. That would be what I would point out. I would point out one final thing, and actually, we're uh, I do have a hard stop here in just a few minutes, so I'll consider this maybe my closing statement. Joel can can opine and stuff. Uh, I would say the people that are typically drawn to wanting to be part of an authoritarian government are not the kind of people that you would necessarily want leading a nation. It's not going to be Alexander the Great, typically. It's not going to be George Washington. It's going to be Joseph Stalin, as we've seen before. Uh, we've, we've been through this before, especially in the last hundred years. Generally speaking, it doesn't end well. If anything, you can get one dictatorial or oligarchic or, or military junta sort of movement displacing another, and then you just death spiral as it happens over and over again, as opposed to the alternative, which certainly requires effort. But I, I think arguably requires less effort than overthrowing the entire system in favor of a Mussolini-style state, uh, which is that you can reform the system you've got. It needs significant work. It needs civic awareness. It would be easy if everyone who didn't like the current system just went out, talked, went to meetings, actually participated. Within a short span of time, we could reform the system. In order to achieve what you stress, they'd probably have to take up Molotov cocktails and you'd end up with millions of people killing each other with no necessary uh, set outcome. No you, might fail and, you might fail and end up under communism or something. 
No, what well, I'm saying I, is that society's bureaucratic organization. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying they need to, you need to develop a bureaucratic organization, you need to develop complex institutions. I'm not saying you need to throw Molotov cocktails or get together with your boys and put violence in the streets. That's retard level shit. That doesn't actually affect power. Neither does getting together with your community leaders and blah. Maybe you can do something nice in your local community, but you know. The, the who, American policymaking is handled by a small elite. You know, you need to be in certain secret societies in like Harvard or Yale. You need to be like some billionaire or, you know, um, I don't know how many dicks you have to suck to become like a CNN news anchor, right? But probably more than a dozen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, probably. There, there are Imagine massive barriers of entry like to, 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 these, <laughs> to these institutions. And you can't, you can't, like, you, you can't break into them just because, oh, yes, we're just love liberty and america and like you know that's great i, I wish before, it was like that i really but do. before joel before sticks goes i think the central point would be that um we're we're thinking of i think power reductionistically would you say that the claim the sort of let's like, say post cold war um kojevian uh fukuyama claim that as power not power but as society becomes more complex and interconnected that power will somehow magically erode and we'll have an end of history total state which is stateless do you think that the opposite is true that as power uh power sort of centralizes even more and more as society becomes more complex and that furthermore when it comes to this complexity that even the way in which power is expressed also has to become more um for a meme like theory cell term it has to become like rhizomatic like consent manufacturing isn't just by brute force of propaganda the way it was in let's say the uh interwar period but now it's something that is very much um more diffused and and sort of um discursive rather than just you know this is the dictate of the magistrate you know like would you agree with that? And how would a libertarian society overcome various complex means of shutting out dissent and also um, ensuring how the sort of the total system ensures loyalty through various mechanisms, whether you want to call it bio-Leninism or not? Um, it seems that the bureaucratic state has become almost flawless in sort of weeding out people who have more of an independent mind, let's say. And uh, oh, and by the way, uh, last point. Um, they had to recently pump out Brian Stelcher's stomach because they found a gallon of cum. So, <laughs> yeah, Sticks. I know. You, I know you have to go. I don't know how much time you have to uh, answer. So let us uh, let us know. I, I thought that was a question for Joel. Oh, was it no, a question? No, for you actually. That, that yeah. Like I think oh. that's what Joel. The Joel Joel's point was is that. Oh, I, th- I thought he. I thought he was giving sort of his closing here. Oh, I've, only, oh, I've, I've, I've literally only got like a couple minutes here. Well, just to close off, like my basic, the basic premise here is that power is a reality, whether we like it or not. And, you know, abuse is, is terrible, but it's like, if someone is abusing you, you have to fight back. And if the enemy has certain weapons, um, you need to get those same weapons to fight back against them. You can't, and if you basically don't get those weapons they're going to be able to if someone puts a gun to your head you don't have a gun you're fucked you need to get a gun mm. right if so and if someone has and so what i'm saying is is that authoritarianism that's what it is it's a weapon it's 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 a it's a way it's it's, it's a really complex like meta weapon essentially it's the basis of all weapons production it's the basis of all military organization um and force projection and and you need to think 
like you're at you need to think like you're under attack like you're if you're being abused you need to figure out how to fight back against your abuser not or if if only like we all just agreed that 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 mm. fighting is wrong then then we would all just be happy singing kumbaya and having all well, the soccer the soccer moms are fighting against the uh, critical race theory right now and they're getting <laughs> targeted by uh, Joe Biden's people so there is some fighting going on uh, for the sake of liberty not for the sake of more authoritarianism i wouldn't say well, that's I nothing I'm not saying that like liberty is bad or that we shouldn't like have certain liberties. But what I am saying is that ultimately you can only have liberties if they're guaranteed by a powerful authority. And so liberty is a production of authority. It, it, you can't, you can't mm. negate authority from the yeah. process. Well, I don't think Styx is against authority at all. I think it's just a matter of to what degree you put that authority. So uh, exactly. Styx, I, I know you got to go. I just wanted to once again show off this uh, dragon that my father, Alexander Polyakov, created. This is the wooden Styx dragon. And uh, Styx, uh, you are going to get a copy of this to match with your uh, robe. And uh, for anybody else who wants this, we're going to have different sizes for the patrons. Patreon.com slash break the rules. That is where you go. $20 patrons are going to get a small one fifty dollar patrons are going to get a bigger one so i just wanted to lay that out i'm going to post a link in the chat become a patron right now support btr we are growing sticks i would love to get you on soon with jessica deloach if she would like to make it who works for pete Buttigieg. let's see what happens we gotta oh, get God, that'd be hilarious we gotta get democratic <laughs> op uh, operatives in here all right that, that'll be the only connection C considering that it's buddha judge about maybe joel you should be on too actually <laughs> <laughs> We can, and we can Joel, talk is it about, true? We'll, we'll be talking all about trains. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Joel, is it true that you uh, slept with Adam Katz and did unspeakable thing as someone has said? And uh, are you a pot smoking anarchist? No, I Joel is a meth taking anarchist, apparently. So that or was I going around and said I'm a PCP addict, apparently. Um, <laughs> You'd smack it. Well, so, well I'm, I'm, sticks, uh, sticks. That's that's about all, I guess. Yeah, peace out. All right, thank you. All right, see you, dude. Take care. So we also got Average Centrist in the house today. Average Centrist, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, and also, yeah, so Average Centrist, what do you think about uh, this conversation? Any thoughts? Oh, man, in true centrist fashion, I can see where both sides are coming from. And it's really hard to put your finger down on, like, which direction to go in in terms of, like, gov governance in the future. Because when you look back through history, like no matter which system you set up, there's always people, essentially psychopaths or just power hungry people that always want to subvert it. And to me, it's a question of and I guess this is more like Styx's argument, I suppose. But the, que the question is, how do we create a system that is creates enough of a bulwark to make that difficult for those power hungry people to abuse that power? And when I hear about people wanting to like create like you know, an equivalent authoritarian power, to me, that is just like, well, you're just wanting to fast track that abuse. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. But like, but on the other hand, with the democratic side or the libertarian side, that encroaching uh, abuse is still there. You know, it's still going, it's still growing. So it's, it's hard to know, like, how to, how to deal with it. Because it just it just feels like it's an inevitability rather than something that you can actually prevent. That's what I I, that's know. my whole point. I was, that's why I mm. called it the black pill. It's not like mm. oh, like if I could uh, if I'm like a god and I'm making this like society from scratch and I can set all the parameters that mm. I'm gonna like 
I'm going to make it anything like this because it's it's disgusting in many ways. But it's like, as I said, like we are under, we are being abused by a very powerful, like the most powerful um, governance superstructure in world history. And you think that you can fight back against that by talking about liberty and my freedom and my rights. It's just <laughs> like that's just retarded mm-hmm. to me. It's totally ridiculous. And um, the the other point as well is that people talk about the current system like it's not already authoritarian as fuck like the united states government is the most authoritarian institution perhaps in the world today like you can maybe make a case that the chinese government is about as authoritarian but the amount of power it has the amount of control it has over speech over how people think over global policy of so many other countries around the world the way they project power it's so pernicious and they conceal it and they they delude people into all of these mind games so they can't even see what's being done to them um, mm. it's, it's insanely sophisticated and it's, uh, a, a, and so this idea that like, I'm proposing something radically different. We live, we currently, it presupposes that we live in a free society when this is not a fucking free society at all. This is, this is a, I mean, there was, there was free, like in Soviet Russia, I think you were probably allowed to be racist without getting like fired from your job. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Was Joe, it's, not, it's not so much about what you were allowed to say as far as whether you're racist or not. It's more about what exactly would a Joel Davis living in the USSR have to endure as far as when you actually yeah, I'm not do saying get living in, in the trouble. Would be great. No, no, but that's a, no, but that's why we have to compare different systems yeah, go, go together like, and see clash what, the what, what the works. Go to Gulag. Yeah, obviously that's a little bit um, different. Well, a little bit lav, different. Lav, I mean, listen, listen. I know, I know he didn't like your people that much, but did not Solzhenitsyn say that the Soviet Union killed your body, but democracy, but liberal democracy kills your soul? That's probably the difference. <laughs> is as a sort of, I, I guess you could mean like the, you could. At least in the, the Soviet in the Soviet Union, they knew that it was fucked, and they knew the government yeah. was lying. Where now, no, like, no, now you have to. Now you have to deal with a bunch of like so many retards that like no, but Joel, you, that's not that's not you. that's not true. You're saying something after the fact. No, as, but let, if, let me explain. As if you're assuming that everybody knew that things were uh, bullshit, there were so many true believers out there that actually ratted out on their own kids to the KGB because they had wrong think. So I would not compare, even though there are plenty of rats and snitches that are uh, currently existing in the United States, as well as Australia, other places, I would never compare those two things together as being uh, equal at all. And again, it goes back to what is the... What is the hard experience that somebody would have when they get in trouble in the United States for wrong thing? I mean, sure, you could say that if you criticize BLM, you're going to have problems at your workplace. But hey, now we also have the Internet and we are trying to figure out ways of making money getting into other industries where, yes, it's always going to be a fight against uh, whoever wants to shut those industries off. But there are ways of going about life that are not necessarily going to uh, involve having to mind your p's and q's about political issues but uh, in at the least in, at least in the soviet union you kind of knew who was fucking you you know what i mean they it was very clear who was running the show and how it was being run whereas so, in the united states we're still well, talking no, about because, the level we, of fuckery no that was because so what do you mean because the soviet union collapsed correct the soviet union collapsed yeah. because it, it had it had a, a name and a face administrating the state administrating the system 
Whereas the United States, it's got it's a hall of smoke and mirrors. You don't even know who you're, where the agency is forming against you. It's like you're constantly being. Um, there's, there's all of these like simulations of authorities that get put in front of you like a stage show and most people it's incredibly difficult to figure out exactly how this thing works and who's pulling the strings and that's why conspiracy theory is like this like massive um aspect of our culture now because you're, you're not wrong that, i mean you're, you're not wrong about those and, you're not wrong and, and about so, those points my only point is that i would still uh, consider the outcomes of somebody who was living back then going against whatever government no, no, wants you more... to do to be far worse than whatever's going on now. That's my particular view. I don't know. Like, uh, no, no, Lev, listen, yeah. it's, it's far more insidious in terms of how, how many, um, how many, uh, children did Soviet Russia inject with, um, uh, hormones to turn them into the opposite gender how many how many people were getting their genitals how many, uh, chopped how, off how many uh, how many teenagers were forcibly injected or given pills that uh, fucked up their minds because they said something bad about the government and were forcibly sentenced to the loony bin yeah i mean now we have a society that, in, that encourages like teenage children in our society to become you know uh, pot smoking homosexuals um, <laughs> to to um, deny their gender identities to do like that's not to, great. You're not going to get an it, argument out it, of me that that's great. No, Lev, let me like let me darkness. break it down if you may if you may let me. Uh, it's, okay, it's, so it's here's, like here's the difference. It's like a more sophisticated evil, I think. That's what yes, it's more say. sophisticated because the nature of biopower has changed. And again, this is speaking of pot smoking homosexuals. Oh, Foucault this speak. Is, you you got to bring up Foucault like five times every. I know, every I know. I, I wasted a whole <laughs> master's degree on Michel Foucault. Um, the point is, is that uh, when Foucault talks about, I think this was in the order of things, he talks about the creation of a soul. He meant like a social psyche that um, power has to presuppose and then later invade with surveillance and propaganda and various methods of disciplinary um, regulation of one's thoughts and behaviors through various knowledges it's like psychiatry is one of them so the difference would be when Solzhenitsyn says that modern democracy kills the soul in the west he meant that on a spiritual and also a social psychic level there are varieties of mechanisms of power which don't necessarily have to kill the physical body but has to propagate life itself into a form of stasis that is docile that's the difference. It's that, even more insidious. I would rather that's, have uh, that, that's Justin fine, Trudeau come that's... to my house with a Kalashnikov than force me to say QR plus LGBT Qi2, whatever the fuck he said the other day. Um, but, you're, but you're saying that before Trudeau actually Power comes has moved to your beyond just killing people. You say that before uh, Trudeau actually comes to your house with a Kalashnikov. That's the difference. Well, my I mean, maybe with, with the mandates, so maybe that will happen. Well, my concern is that people get wrapped so much in theory that uh, they lose sight of reality and they lose sight of comparing like there were some comments saying that we have it so much worse than we ever had coming from people who are relatively young and have only really experienced uh, a very oh, short a amount of point. time on that's, earth that's a boomer point it's a good point it's a no but his love no but what joel is trying to say is that i can see justin trudeau but really at the end of the day it's not even him it's rather the various mechanisms of power and, and biopower that have led to um, a bureaucratic uh, apparatus. I mean, there are people at the top, like, for example, his, uh, his main guy, Gerald Butts, he probably runs the show. But my point being is that in the Amer North American experience, let's, let's call it the Anglosphere. Mm -hmm. 
the Anglo-American establishment operates to where you can't just point to a commissar that is directly oppressing you. It is much more nuanced than that. That's almost the evil of it because in the Soviet Union, well, so like, you can very readily see well, so like, who is you know, at the top. Living in the 1950s or even like the 1980s to me seems like, wow, that, that would have been so fucking cool. You know what I mean? So it's not like I think our society is like total dog shit. We built something really cool that was that had a lot of really cool aspects to it for, for centuries. And we built a lot of prosperity. Um, and there's certain ethics inherent to our system that were kind of uh, uh, immunological in a sense against a lot mm-hmm. of pernicious mm-hmm. uh, uh, political uh processes that happened in other countries whereas the russians like the the russians were in a in a, in a very uh they were in, they weren't in a good place economically they were basically just getting rinsed in world war one when the revolution happened and yet yeah, the bolsheviks were savages absolute savages but the you know it was like essentially like like you kind of almost needed a savage to run that state at that point because of the situation they were in. Um, uh, they, they there would be no capacity to kind of get control of Russia and make it def- like as I said before. So much of what motivates state development is security, right? Internal security, particularly external security, competition with other states. Now the Russians, they were in a position where they got whipped by the Japs, 1905, almost had a revolution. And then the Tsar had to recall the troops, pretend like he was going to have all these libtard reforms. And then when the troops came back, he's like, ha jokes, and then reversed all the reforms. 1917, the revolution, it happened. The Bolsheviks came to power, I think, you know, six, seven, eight months after the Tsar was deposed, right? So there was all of this internal strife that was more complicated than just the, 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 the Russians taking over. That's why... The, there was like a kind of civil war that lasted like four years before the Bolsheviks totally um, kind of uh, kind of secured their power over, over the Soviet Union. And so the kind of environment that the Russians were in where they're getting whooped by the Japs, whooped by the Germans, and they're in a kind of existential crisis where they had to um, basically industrialize to develop the military capacity, the industrial capacity to defend themselves against these foreign states. Mm. Or they, or they were toast and, and that and, and like very evil things happened. In, and so I'm not excusing, you know, the savagery of Joseph Stalin. Don't mistake me. But what I am saying is that when you look at history structurally, um, there's this dark force of power, which is it, which kind of like compels us through basically through violent confrontation into these kinds of developments. And if you don't go along with those developments, you get left behind and then, you know, you, you end up well, in a situation. Joel, you're not a Hegelian is what you're saying, though? I'm not saying that, that sounds when very it comes Hegelian to, of you. I'm not saying know. that when it comes to technological development or fighting uh, on behalf of something that I imagine there's going to be some perfect sterile environment where nobody's ever going to get hurt. But I do want to compare one thing to another and see which system would result in less of that. So again, like I bring up, for example, yeah, Japan, so- J- Japan uh, back when uh, we had the Meiji Restoration, that technological leap versus the technological leap that was done under Stalin which resulted in millions of deaths. So I wouldn't say that those two things are the same at all. And I would say there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, yeah, of course. So like the major restoration is interesting because basically the Japs, they wanted to insulate themselves from the West. So they banned all kinds of technology and they banned foreign trade. And the reason why um, uh, 
Japanese society was transformed in the mid 19th century was because Americans showed up with their so-called gunboat diplomacy, as they call it, and said, we're going to shell the fuck out of you with our cannons unless you buy and sell goods with us because we want to trade with you. So either we can go to war, we can fuck you up, or you're going to trade with us. So the Japanese traded with them and they got integrated into global markets and foreign technologies came into the country. And then that was that was like the first domino flick that ultimately led to the Japanese imperial project that culminated in, in the Americans nuking them 100 years later. So like this is the the kind of uh, savagery of history where like people that have tried to resist uh, and keep themselves out of this, this, this technological process of power centralization, they've all been sucked in. And now we're all kind of same thing with the uh, horse and buggy people, same thing with the uh, people who lost a lot of jobs and people who died when uh, technology was coming around that upended a lot of the ways that people worked. I completely agree that there's going to be bumps in the road when it comes to uh, changing gears. But the reason why I specifically brought up, yeah, but love a lot of knowledge is repaired because of that. That's no, 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 that's not great. I'm not saying any of these things are good or bad. The reason why I'm bringing up specifically uh, Japan is I'm not saying that technological shifts are going to be good or bad, although duly not being good for certain reasons and bad for other reasons. I'm specifically talking about Japan here because they did not need to kill millions of people in order to have their uh, industrial revolution occur. Same thing with other uh, countries industrializing versus a country like Russia, which brings, again, this whole idea of you absolutely 100% need this authoritarian uh, uh, shithole uh, uh, system in order to counter what you see as so, being a d- degeneracy. Yeah, so Bolshevism so love, you're saying like that Bolshevik. I mean, but like there's a difference between Bolshevism and like the, the Japanese imperial system was still authoritarian, very much so. Right, sure. that's what I was, I was Imperial say. war machine. And, and also the, the other aspect to this that also needs to be taken into consideration is what I said was not let's just be whatever kind of authoritarians we have to be. I do believe there needs to be an ethical mission that the state has. I do believe that there needs to be a spiritual mission in history for the state that ultimately gives it some meaning. And I've written about this in my journals, but it gives it some kind of uh, essential meaning and purpose and right, existential right. Pro- uh, kind of existential mission in history, as opposed to just pra- like cold pragmatism. That's American progressivism. I reject that idea, but the, um, but like, but that, but that doesn't. But like, we can't even have that debate unless we kind of just accept reality of okay, we have, of like, be authoritarian realists essentially, and say okay, well, we're going to have these bureaucratic states. How can how can these bureaucratic states actualize ethical uh, norms as opposed to being like savage, um, you know, murder machines like the like you know Soviet Russia. Right, and then we're having a real discussion. But it seems that the modern American empire, the Anglo-American empire, that all we're seeing is trends towards exhaustion. There is no sort of higher spiritual purpose apart Mm. from even sort of the American manifest destiny shit is never. It's kind of rings hollow now. I I get that, and I want to get to average centrist. I do think, though, that uh, before average centrist, I do think that in a way, uh, you know, ironically, because you are a Christian, Joel, now, it is kind of like making a deal with the devil when you're talking about uh, wanting to institute a lot of these things where you hope that it is going to be the person that's going to share in your value system that's going to enable for a lot of wonderful things to happen. That's totally wrong because it's not a deal with the devil per se. It's because um, any sort of governing structure that the church approves of 
is much more uh, ancient than sort of uh, this like American, I don't know, evangelical Protestant, like the American system is like the I, chosen Gio, divine I believe, system. I believe that. It's if not I'd true. See, <laughs> Gio, I believe I that know. if I'd see a lot more Christians throughout history, including today, acting like actual Christians. What are you I'd talking be, about? Then I'd be with you. What are you, you. talking about? I'm talking about hypocrisy. Love that, love, necessarily... That's a boomer point. That's that's boomer liberalism right there. See, I don't that's know. A, <laughs> so, a lot so of to be a good I'm Christian, so being a good Christian, I have to like bend over and take it up to us from these uh, these powerful entities that want to abuse me. I have to turn you the have other to, cheek to yeah, like the nuclear technocracy or something. You have to resist. You, you have to resist these entities, but at the same time, you should not adopt authoritarian methods of your own for the sake of but, resisting. But the them. ultimate authoritarianism lies at the heart of the church. I mean, Christ is the ruler of a kingdom, not of a democracy. So well, that would then, be my... well, well, then my hope is that Christ would come here and would set things right. I'm not having as love, much faith love, in the love, actual people let me, let me who quote... are supposed to represent Christ. That's well, what I'm saying. I, I think the problem is that people view uh, Christ as some, you know, uh, sandal-wearing hippie with a gray beard, and he drives a, uh, a, a Tesla, and he's got a free Tibet sticker on the back of it. Um, oh, they don't, well, the, the libs don't even believe in freeing Tibet anymore because, you know, Tibet is very icky, authoritarian, theologic, uh, theocratic state. So that's, uh, well... But anyways, I think we're getting caught in the weeds here. I think. Well, let's go um, to average yeah. centrist. Yeah, I, I just had a I just had a question for Joel, and it was just I was just wondering when you were talking before, like, okay, so you're talking about setting up like a counter authoritarianism essentially to other authoritarian regimes. I just wondered, like, what level of authoritarianism, like, what limits are you actually willing to accept? Like, what is what are the what are the actual parameters of this system that you're talking about? Well, I mean, uh, you want me to give give you like an entire political system? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not saying no, 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 no. I'm just talking like just generally like a couple of little things. Like, so for instance, like if there's an authoritarian state that doesn't uh, provide freedom of speech, are you willing to adopt a, a system of no freedom of speech to counteract that? I don't know how, like how that would even work, but if if that's what you want to do, like, what I'm just trying to figure okay, so out, like, I mean, what you're actually trying to put in place. I mean, I don't think we need to like uh like i don't see a deep necessity to massively control speech but some speech controls uh i guess make sense i mean if you're gonna have libel laws or something people slandering people mm. um if you're if people are inciting violence or whatever these like like i'm not like some free speech absolutist but also like i i think like it's beneficial to have public discourse because i am you know like you need that to have um like decent production of like you need, you need to have uh multiple perspectives and discourse to kind of progress the sciences and and, and so forth um so i do believe you you want to have diverse discourse and we're gonna i don't think we should just uh you know force everyone down some rigid hierarchy but i don't know if you're gonna have like a if you're gonna have like a catholic state do you want to just let people speak heresies on the streets um, I think pornography should be banned, but according to the Supreme Court, you know, we're talking about the Supreme Court before. The Supreme Court literally ruled that pornography is speech. How is fucking never someone on camera speech? Yeah. yeah, like that's just, it, it's, that's, that's totally fucking batshit insane. This is what I mean when I was talking about uh, that, but I think that should be banned. Like, you know, I'm kind of, uh, like it, it, it's, I believe you should have ethical principles and they should be more or less enforced. Like, so... You know, I, I think it's yeah, certain, certain forms of knowledges are kind of too dangerous for a lot of people. I mean, I think that's why yeah. 
the church suppressed a lot of different, uh, like you couldn't have people like propping up Gnostic cults wherever you had sort of a structure that would just be too spiritually well, harmful. I mean, we can have, for, we can have like, kind of academic inquiry into different things. Uh, I, I don't really care too much about that kind of thing, but I would be concerned, like say you have like some weird cult and it's promoting all of these like really antisocial values or whatever, then like, what are you just going to allow that to continue? Um, you can allow some weird cult leader to just like, you know, stockpile weapons and like rape 14 year olds or something. At some well, point, like, well, you'd that's have what kind of we already had in, under in, the Clinton right. administration, right? That's where we have. <laughs> yeah. You're basically describing. No, no, no. The difference. No, the difference was is that. Um, well, Waco is obviously different because that was part of the uh, anti-militia movement where Clinton was suppressing his political enemies, but also the way that they yeah, it wasn't just constructed speech, this yeah. narrative against David Koresh was total. But, not, but how, not saying that everything. But how do you, but if you have a bunch of jihadists? Say you have a bunch of jihadists yeah. in your society. Do they have freedom of speech? Like, no, fuck that. Fuck you. You know what I mean? Uh, like, no, I don't know. They're kind of. I mean. Oh, never mind. Never mind. I'm not going to be no, too controversial. No, no, I actually be... see. No, see. <laughs> there's do... this great go. Go to this. Go to I am seventeen seventy six. There's this great article by a fellow author of mine where they talk about uh. Well, there's actually a great book about Italian futurism and the Taliban, but uh, it's it's about uh this this person managed to link um, clubbing and the Taliban. It's a really great article. Mm-hmm. I am seventeen seventy six. But see, Gio, like um, I haven't I haven't read that article yet, but in general, it just sounds like. Well, it's about this... Italian futurism and the mm-hmm. Taliban and going to clubs and uh, well, specifically sort of right wing excess. Specifically with the embrace of the Taliban, I kind of see it as people who are online a lot looking towards much more, let's say, uh, uh, beastly ways of going about life, not really seeing it reflected in their own society maybe seeing certain things that they themselves are lacking because well, of love, being let me raised put it in such society this, this, this idea this, this idea that patriarchy is beastly is total horseshit civilization was developed through patriarchy we, if, if it wasn't no, we're, for ta- we're talking about a bunch we're of talking warlords about degrees. we're talking about degrees no, for no, example but, no, but if you didn't have a bunch you didn't have a bunch of warlords going around uh, appropriating women from foreign tribes and creating like massive harems um, and administering like the initial property relations and patriarchal lineages and so forth, we wouldn't have a civilization. We'd all be a bunch of, um, you know, like spooky hippies, uh, you know, with like with these weird shamanistic longhouse elders. mother cults, longhouse yeah, mother like, matriarchs. We'd, we'd, we'd still be like abos or something. Like <laughs> that to me Can is we more say that on YouTube? Sure. I mean, Joe, if we didn't have one, th- if we didn't have something that came before us, then we wouldn't have what we have right now. But that's not what I'm talking about. If we look at Times Square, for example, we could see a lot of unfavorable, uncivilized activity that was going on. There's this dude who was jacking it right in public, right in front of children. Horrible thing. When I'm talking about uh, balancing out, let's say, the more beastly nature of man with uh, something that's, uh, let's say, of a higher tier... This is why instead of using the word liberalism, I want to use the word civilization, civilized. I want people to be civilized. And I'm well, sure, love, Joe, me... you want people to be civilized, but I think a lot of people who are online, who look at the jihadis, look at them as being this example of patriarchy at its uh, finest form. But I see that as being people who are, relatively speaking, uncivilized. People compared to who, like if we're talking about, I don't know, like the British Empire gentlemen, you know, who would be standing upright, you know, compared to them, they would just be like a bunch of 
cave dwelling uh, cavemen. And I'm not going to compare the two and say no, love, one love, is love. just as good as the Would other. Would you? Well, first of all, the Taliban and they have supreme aesthetics, by the way. And would you rather have beautiful Islamic, um, what's it called, anacona art, you know, without the subject, or would you rather have like that one video where a gender studies professor tries to teach uh, Afghani women about Marcel Duchamp? Would you rather have love? Obviously, I would have the uh, you know the Islamic tapestry art, right? Yes, of you'd course. have the Iranian miniature. But do you, do you believe in the self-determination oh, okay. of the Afghan people or do you want to, are you an imperialist level? Like, do you want to project the values of Western liberal democracy onto these foreign states and engage in nation? Like you a neocon, like, do you believe we should, we should send in the U S military and establish a whole bunch of like, you know, America, like, you know, George Soros funds a bunch of NGOs to make Afghan women, you know, feminists, um, like gender fluids. Like, do you think that, that this is civilization. Is this what we need to do, or should we allow the Afghan people to express themselves in their in their in their culture authentically yeah. and and develop their own natural elites and try and respect them as a state? Because, I mean, you know, I would kind of I would I in this case, saw. if there's no okay, let me put it this way: if there is no, let's say, uh, unexpected problem that would occur from, let's say, some grand chessboard bullshit that's going on with other countries going to certain places and the repercussions that would have if that's off the table then i would issue the prime directive when it comes to places like this especially places with a rough terrain prime directive let them do what they're doing there and uh, i'm not going to interfere that's what i that's what i would do in that case but well, yeah i think the, the, but that's, the why argument... people, that's why people love the taliban because the taliban was like they rose up against the imperial hegemon and they like expressed yeah. something authentic and a lot of people were like that's cool because they're like we because we, we are living under the regime that mm. was oppressing them, right? We were, we are, we are subjected to it, and well, I think well, a lot used people to fantasize leftist... about having that, like you know, you uh, can that, like that, you can like that aspect, rising you can up like them. you can like that aspect of it, but that doesn't mean that you should take the whole package on. And I'm sure, Joe, you would not want to take the whole package on as far as uh, well, I don't just, know. just I the don't way know. the way that they go about life. No, I'm serious here because I don't see that as being as civilized. I like, want to be more civilized. Music or... Uh, not not know, even I not mean, even just the banning music. I'm yeah. talking about the ability for somebody to have, let's say, more. Mention of a, it, love. Mention it. Come on, you're going to mention. It. I know it's on the tip of your tongue. What? Well, what do you, you want? Know, what the, you... you know, you you just what? you're dying to say it. You're dying. dying. To say what? The Are the wife beating thing, right? No, 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 I wasn't talking about that. <laughs> I was talking about. I think when we take a look at Western, <laughs> when we take a look at Western civilization in general, when we take a look at the beautiful, <laughs> the beautiful buildings that were able to be created, when we're talking about the mm. poetry, the art forms, and again, you can go like to a tribe somewhere in Africa or in South America or whatever, and you can get very interesting, beautiful music uh, that uh, yeah, that's made. But there is something very special about, I think, what the West was able to create here. And I think that's something that comes from civilization. It doesn't just come from culture. It comes from civilization. And I do believe that that's something that has to be preserved. And any kind of, let's say, degeneration from that should be fought off. My problem, though, is that when people take a look at something like the Taliban and see that as, okay, like they, these, these guys really have it all together. In a way, I see that as being more of a product of people who are terminally online looking towards qualities that they don't possess because of uh, how they were uh, raised. And if they this are going to see some... Well, 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 one thing, one thing. If they're going to see a politician coming up that's going to have those qualities in there 
And they think that, okay, like Joel's point about wanting uh, to have this, you know, much more traditional uh, society enforced by the state, this is something I'm going to go for. My problem here is that then you're going to have somebody who's going to rise up who is a total narcissist, who's going to tell you, Joel, exactly the things you want to hear. But then in the end, they're just going to be surrounded by a bunch of ass kissers and they're going to be the kind of person that wants to remain in power. That's going to be their concern. It's not going to be helping you. It's not going to be helping your people. And that's it's what not, I don't want to true about every happen. single political leader ever of all kinds and all shapes and sizes. Like, like that, you're just describing politics in general. Like, I'm just describing what that... happens when you give people the kind of power you want to give them. Even if you give people less power, they that's literally how like human beings are like that. You're just describing uh I mean, yeah, I would like to have virtuous leaders that are that are kind of inspiring and that have that, that demonstrate character. I'd like to have a more like a less superficial um appreciation of leadership too. Pro proliferated in the culture. But this also relates because we're talking about like free speech and I was like, oh, I wouldn't ban music. You know, I definitely would ban some music, though. Like, you know, I'd ban pop music, basically. That shit's rubbish. And there was times in European history where the state did prevent certain artistic genres or musical genres from being proliferated to the public because they were shit. And generally speaking, the state was pretty good at deciding what was good and what was shit. They were generally defending much better art forms against far inferior ones. That were had this kind of corrupting generating influence on society and so i don't know that there, there is a certain appeal i uh, i think I that like, certain kind classes of that. i think that's here's the the difference is with people they they straw man the uh the catholic orthodox approach during uh, medieval times to certain things like subversive art forms or heresy you could still have a learned elite of people who are spiritually guarded against certain harmful things that could um for intellectual purposes, view certain things. Uh, I, I, I think that the problem, this again is the problem with the mass democratization of both art, literature, and philosophy, is that you're essentially putting dangerous weapons in the hands of monkeys and uh, people, like it's like giving a Kalashnikov to a, to a chimp. Uh, it's Yeah, it's but then like a bunch a of like level Reagan levels. moms... A bunch of Reagan moms trying to ban like Judas Priest, though. That's cringe. So, like, you yeah, know, I that's kind of not see, what we're talking about. No, I can mm. see both sides. I, I can yeah. see both sides to it where it's where, where, but, and, but I guess like the, the like the, the other aspect of this as well is um, the more essential question because Lev's making the point power corrupts, blah, blah, corruption is part of every political system. Narcissism is an attribute many leaders have, et cetera. All you can do is create, is try and, and create a culture that immunizes against that. Try and create a culture that has strong values, that has a strong sense of itself. Then do it, that. What then it believes in and what it stands for. I'm all, well, I'm all for just waiting, but the way that you're going to create that culture is is through is through developing some kind of authoritarian state that engineers that culture. Because right now we live well, in a culture that has been engineered I don't, for I don't us think by that's, a massive social engineering project. I don't think that's going to work. Our culture ever, is not organic. Everything in our culture has been designed by this you know technocracy that has been ruling us for the past hundred plus years. That has decided what all of our ethical values are or lack of values are has decided i mean you realize that, i'd like, argue that like was the same movement thing. in the 19th yeah the cia psyop right like that was sure, mk ultra so like so much of our culture is just totally astroturf so like you're not the only way to compete with that by getting the power to like to counter astroturf mm -hmm. there is no like i we, don't know i kind of uh, 
I kind of argue that a lot of these cultures that you're talking about back in the day, like the Byzantine Empire and so forth and so forth, that that is also kind of astroturfs. That was also people who decided there should be particular ways that people live, particular ways that they pray, and that was engineered as well. So we always had engineering from that side, I think. But I want to get Average Centrist on. Average Centrist, don't be shy about inputting whenever you want to. Oh, I mean, I was unprepared for this anyway. You just asked me to come on like yes. last second, so so I'm like I'm still disheveled from waking up this morning. So. Um, but but thanks for letting me on, by the way. And also, Joel, I just want to say, like, I've listened to you for a little while now, and like, I really like your take. So I'm not coming against you because I dislike you. I'm coming against you just because I'm trying to figure out. How, I'm just trying to come into the conversation, basically. I'm just trying to figure out what what the fuck is going on. The one thing that just what, what I was thinking just a second ago was when you were talking about you know banning pop music and all this kind of stuff. I was like, why can't you just do that in your own house, like? why does it need to be enforced on the whole populace as a as a whole like you do have the power to do that and some and some um cultures of people that do do this kind of stuff is like the amish and shit like that there there are people out there that create enclaves for themselves where they they live in their own culture and it is possible to do that under like this society where we can pick and choose what we want to do whereas if we have a society where it's just forced on everyone that means the amish the harry krishnas the fucking everybody out there has to conform to it by way of the gun and i just don't think that's like going to be conducive to anything that's actually going to be helpful to people well i'll give you well, like here i mean what do you mean like so like say it, 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 there's certain standards that you have to have so like look at um you know if someone presents basically pornography as art right mm -hmm. in many periods of history that would be illegal right um if so was that a bad thing? Like, there's been plenty of times when there has been, you know, regulations upon um, certain expressions that have been, I think, beneficial. Now, I mean, I don't really give a shit about, like, I don't like up at night, like, oh my God, I can't believe, like, Lady Gaga is legal. Like, I, I need to, like, you know. <laughs> well, I'll give you an example of how things need, work. I'll give you a good you know, example. I don't really just... give a shit that much, but I, my point is just simply that uh, if you have, like, a strong cultural, uh, uh, ear of, of, of values that shit like this should be offensive to you when you have just like really like um, you know really kind of aesthetically disgusting low value immoral rubbish getting pumped out mass produced even because it's not even like like these things are kind of forced upon society like like in a popular music or well, whatever well I'll tell you how here's here's um let me give you a quick example I'm seeing on Twitter right now about how things work when it comes to media and the selective enforcement of outrage and of funding. So we all agree that um, news networks getting massive funding from corporations is probably not a good thing, right? And we know that they all do, like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, you name it, right? Like here in Canada, we have state media, which is different, but it's still the same bullshit. So apparently I see on trending on Twitter is that AT&T was uh, giving money to this, like, whatever cheap-ass, like, conservative news network called um, One America News, OAN, right? So here's the thing. Network providers give money to news networks all the fucking time. But now you have Reuters doing a story about this evil right-wing election conspiracy news network getting funding from AT&T, and you have fucking subhuman ghouls like Molly Zhang Fast boosting it saying oh my god this is a bad look for at&t but every fucking network gets money from corporations cnn gets money from pfizer 
right? So mm-hmm. it's like the selective enforcement is the way in which they derive a total clampdown because you have like people like Molly Zhang fast or who's, who's the one that doxed people on, on clubhouse that was going after certain friends of ours, Joel, what's her name? The Lorenz fucking cunt. Oops. Did I say that? Sorry. I, I, I just let it flow. Uh, Minecraft, <laughs> right? Let it fly. Um, uh, the people like these hideous schools, that's the way that they enforce their sort of uh, selective apparatus of control. Because when CNN gets money from certain corporations, that's fine. But when AT&T gives money to some fucking conservative network that nobody has heard about ever, then that's a, all of a sudden that's a problem where the FBI is going to come and investigate and they're going to have the full f- brute force of the uh, technocratic state to like rain down upon them. That's the, so this is when people talk about anarcho tyranny, that's what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with the sort of um, what Moldbug and others would call formalist sort of power, which what the Soviet union was. We're dealing with very selective uh, Michael Antony had a great term for it. he called it a celebration parallax, meaning that when they do things that's to be celebrated, but when we do the same things, then that's evil and terrible. Um, so for example, when a homeless person jerks off in the street, that's uh, evil, uh, because he said some gamer words to certain, uh, immigrants, but when a homeless person jerks off in the street and it's a certain month in a certain parade, then that is loving and accepted. And that is a, a, um, that's, that's like a, uh, Pacalithia public sex, um, transgressive act. So that's simply what a celebration parallax is. Uh, and, and the way it works in media and way it works in the culture industry is very similar. So I think the problem with the debate, just really quickly, uh, is that I think people are thinking of power in terms of um, we no longer live in sort of an ancient regime where power is very formalistic and it's very direct and, and the sovereign is very much apparent. Um, I think the complicated nature of modern power means that certain options are off the table unless we have a total radical change. I mean, think of it this way. They're making a movie on fucking Gamergate. Like that's, <laughs> that's how threatened mm. they are by just shit posting. Right. That's oh, like actually, Brianna Wu uh, had to like concoct some FBI yeah. story. Uh, no, but, her, but, it is, you know, but it is an interesting rift. thing, Gio, though, that if we're talking about uh, Gamergate, Gamergate, yeah, if we're talking about Gamergate and uh, people being so Listen, afraid I, of any yeah. of any dissent, I, again, keep in mind something that uh, Alexander Bard talked about, where a lot of these, what is it called, uh, like, uh, Teen Vogue, any of the, you know, MTV, these are all disheveled entities these dinosaurs that are you know that are trying as much as they can to still be relevant they're the ones that seem to embody this principle much more and we could even see just like with the biden administration for example the theater kid energy that some of the people within that administration exhibit that there is something very powerful by the way molly john fast is a cunt as well oh sorry sorry. whoa well, oh, well, Joel is oh, Australian, so it means yeah. something different. To but uh, but anyway, the point, the point that I'm getting to here, Gio, is that part of me thinks that this is why I uh, am uh, on Sticks' side. Speaking of which, by the way, we have the um, 
let me uh, post the poll. So I was conducting a poll fake as far news, as fake as news, far though. as uh, who was uh, who was winning. Six retweeted it. We all know what was going to happen. Here, 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 here. I'm posting the poll on the screen one more time. So guys, vote in that poll right now. If you guys are fans of Joel, if you want to support your boy, go there. And uh, anyway, I think that this is why I'm on the side of sticks because. We've only just begun right now to push back a lot of this stuff. I mean, better late than never. And sure, you could say that we nothing, may not be... Absolutely nothing has been pushed back. It's like the, like literally the government, like the, the, the state apparatus is only getting more and more powerful. Like the yeah. distance we that we are moving from liberty is only increasing every year. We get, we are less and less and less and less free since I don't know fucking how long. Like this has been a trend for hundreds of years. And so Sticks' idea is, well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna all have this conversation, and then magic will happen, and voila, we're gonna have a new constitution that's just gonna be airtight, and everyone's gonna be free. It's just total fantasy nonsense. It's just total nonsense. Like, I mean, like I said, if that I, is not, I, I if that it. is nonsense, you know, I would nice say that. Well, that well these institutions no, 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 are but dying, that not, but that, that doesn't yeah. mean they still have immense cultural power. Teen Vogue. Mm. even though it's like largely aging millennials that write and read for it, they still have immense institutional legitimacy along with CNN. Like as who much are as these, spoof- who are these people? See, my, my concern though, is that we may, because we're encountering a lot of these threads on Twitter, we may be overemphasizing the cultural. No, power we're not. Of a lot of you know why? Elements. I'll give you a good why? example. Okay. I'll give you an example. We brought up Gamergate, right? Yes. Okay. So, the problem is that we're in Twitter land where everyone is, you know, hip and cool kid and like, you know, the discourse, right? We ignore the media that normies largely consume. Now, what is it that uh, middle age, the, the biggest sort of um, conduit of modern power is the awful, the affluent white female liberal. Mm-hmm. It is the modern middle aged wine mom. Now, what show did they love watching during the day while their husbands work some fucking corporate wage job and, and they're sort of, uh, you know, they're sort of jelking to the uh, the mailman, the black mailman that they're fantasizing about. Um, they're watching shows like Law and Order, right? SVU, the Mariska Haggerty show. Now, apparently Chris Maloney came back, but that doesn't matter because he's totally cucked. His role is gone. Now, what episode did they do? They did the Gamergate episode. They did the incel episode. They did the um, the right wing. I'm sure they probably managed to weed in what happened at the the you know what in the sixth. Those shows, like the modern drama, the modern medical drama, especially, they inform the propaganda to the biggest demographic in terms of change because the liberal white woman, the white in the West, is the most privileged class in human history. The white woman. So they're the ones that are the movers and shakers of political discourse. If you can get white women to believe in something in the West, in the middle class, then then your political legitimacy is guaranteed, right? So this is the way, this is how power has transformed from some commissar setting out the state corporate news. Uh, they used to have like the fucking, uh, the, you know, the, the one guy in uh, Estonia would create all the commercials where you'd like rip off Michael Jackson to sell like, you know, Soviet mattresses. Um, <laughs> so therefore, 
it's it's no longer that. Now it's like this whole culture industry apparatus that has done more to inform the state ideology than the actual state itself. Well, so Gio, that you're, talk- is a big you're talking about the cultural apparatus. The way that I see it is that this cultural apparatus is like a shockwave. So and when the white when woman has seeing, a Chardonnay and uh, yes, the Chardonnay, the Chardonnay and, and watching Law and Order, woman. Mariska Haggerty, yes, watching exactly. Law and Order. Uh, by the Benson, way, Mariska. Sergeant Benson. By the way, <laughs> I, I, apparently, I'm, I'm fucking wilding out. Apparently, Mariska Harg. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to get into Mariska Hargitay right now. But oh, uh, t- give me the deep lore, love. Give me the deep lore. Well, on, uh, on off, off, off the screen, off the screen, okay. I'll call you the deep okay. lore. But uh, it has to do with a relative of hers. By the way, Chris Maloney was way better in Oz when he played Chris Keller, the gay predator. Um, mm, he was way yes. better in Oz. And by the way, we may get Robert Cloacy coming on the stream later on. I'm oh going to see if I can work it out. He's the guy who played the uh, prison guard. The, uh, yeah, but, the, but the I, warden. Yeah. But anyway. He I took over what... for Metzger. Metzger was the neo-Nazi yeah. warden. Mm. Yeah. I understand what you're saying about uh, all of these uh, cultural affectations that right now the awfuls have with their Chardonnay sipping and Xanax popping and all that. I still (laughs) see that as being where we're seeing, like uh, that famous hockey player Wayne Gretzky said, he wants to see where the hockey puck is going, not where it is. Right now, what you're talking about is where the hockey puck is. You couldn't be absolutely... But I'm saying the insanity right about that. I agree, it's insane. We we all agree on that. The fact that like internet culture Mm -hmm. is driven through like the the extruder of like these are these terrible frog you know incel women hating terrorists like that one line in that one uh, episode where they said um now i know that uh video games are no place for women or yeah. some shit like but that look, like Reeb, it's the fact Shreba, that millions of people like that have political ostensibly mm-hmm. have voting and political power who can change the discourse on their fucking pinterest and tiktok and instagram pages the fact that that's the way that they get their information, it's incredible. Mm. Yeah, by the way, Metzger was working with Vern Schillinger, but then Beecher mm. killed the Metzger guy. Um, Shreve, <laughs> sorry, I could go Shreve on all Roman day about Street <laughs> Roman over here has a good uh, comment as far as uh, he says, most women follow strong men. Okay, so yes, let's that's say, true. Well, okay, let's say if we assume that, then here's why I think that I'm right and you're wrong. If we're talking about this cultural shockwave that is currently in this particular stage... I doubt that a lot of the people who are in charge right now are going to be as competent as uh, the people who were there before. I think the competency of a lot of these institutions is going to start declining over time. And I'm not going to say that instead of that, I'm going to be with Joel Davis and uh, want there to be this authoritarian dictatorship that would grab uh, the reins of power because of all the reasons I said before. Instead, what I'm saying is that I would want there to be more localized situations where we would get people who would still be liberal, who would still, you know, have values when it comes to not excluding uh, people who are otherwise competent from participating in certain institutions because of, I don't know, the color of their skin or whatever. Yeah, 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 whatever. The point is, is that I believe that there would be strength that would... um, come after weakness i believe that these institutions today are even though they project all of this uh, you know it's kind of like the uh, art of war you know when you're weak project strength i think mm-hmm. that a lot of them are projecting a lot of this think, social media strength but this is where well, the puck is it's not where it's going but average I think, centrist uh, i, I want to get your take as well, well, and then well before I, by okay. average centrist i wanted to say quickly um to joel and average centrist i think the the big problem is that um when i was uh, there was a certain section in 
the um, third chapter in Duhuvenal's on power, where he talks about how Rousseau proclaimed that man is an incomplete entity. And he clearly states that, you know, in sort of the ancient regime and sort of uh, medieval Christendom, uh, the picture, the ontological picture of the human subject is one of completion that for very variety of reasons, but it seems that the modern sort of post enlightenment state uh, has taken up this project that man is an incomplete entity from Rousseau. And from that, they derive all of their uh, hideous sort of social experimentations. And I think we have to really get at the root of the actual picture of the subject itself in modernity if we want to truly understand where power is. Um, does Liber- Richard Spencer sports liberalism now? Listen, Richard Spencer, he uh, he's the type of guy where he talks and he uh, he laughs it up with a group of friends. And then in the middle, he says... I really needed this, guys. So uh, that's, you know, <laughs> that was a joke. I'm, I'm, I'm failing. But uh, oh, oh, and Richard Spencer doesn't believe. Richard Spencer is pro-abortion because he doesn't believe in pulling out. Apparently, when mm. I can't. <laughs> so, hey, Joel. Um, <laughs> so, Avercentrist, what are, what are your thoughts so far on this matter? I mean, um, you're living in the UK. There's probably yeah. similar uh, magazine publications like the ones that I talked about. And there's Channel 4, I believe. Is that the bad one? I don't know. Uh, I mean, they're all kind of shite, to be honest with you. Like, To be honest with you, though, there's like there's a growing discontent in the UK with just media in general. Like, I speak to a lot of normal, just regular people who are not like terminally online people, just people who passively use Facebook and stuff. And, you know, these will be literally like just people's mums and shit. You know what I mean? Just regular, regular ass people. And they're all like deeply mistrustful of like bbc covid numbers blah 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 all this stuff and like uh it seems to me like i think you're kind of tapping into something levin that they are kind of clutching at straws like they project a lot of strength when in reality their numbers and going down and down and down uh, i think alternative forms of media are gaining much more strength well, i think people are looking for people like this kind of show to just have conversations that they can't normally have um or at least they feel that they can't have because of the perceived societal pressure once they really once they realize that societal that societal pre- uh, pressure is just an illusion and it's being projected onto them we'll see like a big break i think but i just don't know like when that's going to happen i don't know it's probably i feel like australia is a bit of a flashpoint actually because some of these riots have been going on in australia are really waking people up and i think mm. people are people are saying i've heard rumblings in the uk uh, of people saying that if we're going to have another lockdown that we might do the same kind of shit I'm down for it. <laughs> I'm well up for it. So, um, yeah. well, so, yeah. Joel, actually, I'm curious. What is happening right now with the protests in Australia? Sticks gained a lot of weight. Yeah. Do I look like sticks? <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but yeah, I um, like like I spend a lot of a lot of time online, obviously, because I do the whole social media YouTube thing. Um, and the impression that Americans have or that people on the internet have of what's happening in Australia is so warped in comparison to the reality. Basically, it's like the thing you got to understand with these lockdowns is that there's, I mean, Australia has different states and all the states have kind of shut borders to one another. So the majority of the states in Australia are kind of open because they shut their borders to the two larger in terms of population states, which have more, more COVID cases, basically. One of them is Victoria, which is like the lefty state. It's like California, right? It's full of libtards. It's it's cringe, right? It's you, you walk around, and it's just soy city down there, uh, down at Melbourne. Um, 
and the re- part of the reason for that is that it it like the city of Melbourne dominates its population. It doesn't have as much rural population where in New South Wales, where I live, where Sydney is, it has more of a balance between the city and the country. So it's a little bit more right-wing, a little bit more conservative. Now, our conservative government reluctantly decided to like lock down due to <laughs> pressures. And it's like, uh, whereas like the, the government down in Victoria, it's like, it's like they love they, it's like they love it you know what i mean like they have this weird ideological fascination with the whole process because they have this weird narrative it's kind of like british politics where you have like labor in britain the left going about nhs and like how they care about public health and the conservatives only care about corporate fat cats so they don't care about you know people getting good health care when in reality, whenever the conservatives get in power, there is really like minimal policy changes to do with healthcare, you know, and, mm. and the same is true here. But for some reason, that's the narrative um, because, you know, they have to like rationalize themselves. I think in Britain, there was this, this uh, funny story where like the conservative government wanted to privatize the janitor staff at like Britain's hospitals. And there was this big furor like, oh, they want to privatize the NHS. They want to, you know, it's like it's the fucking janitorial service. Like who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, and then I do, up, like, I do notice that That's the how NHS... retarded this. Anyway, so in Australia, mm. I just want to like segue to the COVID thing. So mm-hmm. the narrative wait, 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 they and have we, is we got public. And we got to make sure, you know, YouTube and all that, that we, you know, I don't even know what the limits are anymore. Who the fuck knows? Just, I think you uh, can say COVID now. You just can't say, uh, we, well, we use the term ouchie instead of the you know what yeah i'll, I'll so, try not to i'll try not to deny science on on the broadcast thank you <laughs> yeah, by the yeah. way i just but, changed uh, my twitter handle to thick sex and hammer. <laughs> 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 well that's amazing All right, well, um yeah so anyway anyway so the point I, I laid that foundation to try and like give americans who don't know much much about australian politics the context so the the riots are in Victoria. Uh, they're in Melbourne. Um, it, it, up here, we haven't really had, we had some protests, but they weren't that serious. And like the, the government did an incredibly good job of controlling the narrative of basically turning all the boomer retards that still watch TV against, um, like, you know, to sympathize against the protesters. And they're generally unpopular. Um, the average person here, uh, particularly in, in, in Victoria, is incredibly blue-pilled on this whole subject. Now, in, in New South Wales, people's attitude is kind of not like, it's not like the Americans where they're all kind of like, oh, we got to resist COVID, liberty. we got to, you know, this is a violation of our constitutional rights and we got to stop the globalists. The attitude people have here is a lot more pragmatic, conservative of like, uh, just let me take the vax and let everything go back to normal and please just please just leave me alone kind of thing. And it's much more defeatist, essentially. And so that's what's happening. Like here in New South Wales, things, the next, like, because they hit their vaccine targets or whatever, things are going to start opening up and start opening up next week, I think. And then by the 1st of December, everything should be basically more or less back to normal. That's the plan. That's And then some super right-wing guy just became the premier, which is our version of governor. Um, and he was really Canada, anti-lockdown. Yeah. So I anticipate... I anticipate that um, he's kind of base. He's like this base trad cat, six kids, and he like uh, opposes gay marriage and abortion. And all the lefties are seething, coping and dilating right now. It's pretty good. But <laughs> anyway, the point is, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the point is, is that uh, uh, 
you know, I expect New South Wales to basically go back to normal and everyone is expecting that. So there's not really any kind of energy to protest because people think, well, it's only another few more weeks and, you know, and most people have taken the vaccine now. So people, because so many people have uh, vax cuck, so to speak, it's it's kind of like a moot issue at this point. Like it's, a, I think like 90% of this state has already taken at least one dose of this thing. So it's, mm. uh, it's over, bro. It's, it, it's like, it's like, it's old news. It's about to be summer as well. Everyone knows, you know, like flu season ends mm. in the summer. So everything will clear back up. And I, I anticipate things to kind of come. Mm. What the prime minister said is they want to copy the British policy of, uh, essentially just getting everyone vaxxed and then opening up by the um, way this is this is your flag right so, this is the australian flag the official one yeah yeah the official <laughs> geo do you see the image wait let me see the official what? australian oh, flag <laughs> that was a great episode mm-hmm. it's like sir with this america we don't tolerate the way he's like you know america australia <laughs> mm. so gentlemen we got to get to super chats right now and uh unfortunately i gotta go uh, after this so here we go super yeah, chat I gotta get time breakfast we got basham twenty dollars takes a lot oh. of work being oh wait, wait before that before... <laughs> wait, wait wait before that no we get before that drew uh mctig uh donated five dollars Clank, thank you very much, Drew. And also, two days ago, we had 100 rubles, which is not as much as you think it is. It's like a dollar forty something, but still really appreciated. That's from True Story. How, how much is the Russian uh, ruble to the American dollar, love? Uh, let's see, ruble to USD. That would be uh, 0.014 dollars. Oh shit! So there we go. Anyway, uh, Drew. Okay, Drew says Clank, but True Story says Paul. You mentioned messaging and mo- this is for Paul Town. Paul, you mentioned messaging and movies being a part of it. Do you enjoy some more than the others, like David Lynch? So I figured I would transfer this to you guys. Uh, do you guys like David Lynch? Oh yeah. What? Joel. Yeah, yeah, I love David Lynch. Uh, he does some great, great films. Uh, Mulholland Drive is classic. That's pretty trippy stuff. Oh, yeah. Obviously, Twin Peaks, great te- television show. Mm. Um. His uh, version of Dune was a little bit shit, but I still like it for some reason. Um, I, I and did you know that, that David Lynch actually <laughs> brought out like he actually brought out an album like he's like I think like five years ago or something. It's like a trip hop album or something, and oh, uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty good. It's like some like sixty something year old dude made an album. It's like uh, what the fuck? Uh, Wait, you he, said it was music's trip, a young man game, you know? Trip hop is that what you called it? What exactly is that? Trip hop is you know like what trip um... hop is. Yeah, it's like no, it, 80s. It's, it's like it's like it's a white boy genre. It's not mm. it's like nineties um like guys that were really into like Jamaican reggae type stuff, but then like combined in kind of that like Anglo uh alternative rock mentality. And then and, also like, electronic electronica, yeah. like sneaker pimps but, is a good like example the, of like the more ambient. The, the archetypal so. the archetypal trip hop record is uh Massive Tax Mezzanine. I think that, oh okay. Yeah. I think that came out in '98, and mm. and that that record is that record is brilliant. That's a classic. Uh, Portishead dummies. You probably, probably like it. Man. You're into like you're into like you're into like trippy shit. Yeah, Portishead. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm actually like, not like, that like, big of a fan of a trippy music. Like I like listening to uh, a lot of classical music a lot. Like when it you don't listen to, to Spungle or uh, no, like, not at all. Not psych at all. trance. No, you don't no, listen not, to Kaya no. Project. It, here's the thing: it's weird. Like I consider, honestly, I consider some of the most trippiest things in the world to be like uh, classical architecture, you know, or like temples. Like that's what I consider to be trippy as far as utilizing sacred geometry and all that. But uh, by the way, have you? Do you remember the Joe Pesci rap? 
Do you guys know? Oh, this? God, that's Joe terrible. That's <laughs> terrible. I think I do know this. <laughs> but anyway, next super chat we have over here. Uh, yeah, so Basham said, uh, is the real issue here moral relativism versus Christianity? So I think this is something. No, that, uh, no, that's not. That's no? a boomer. Because I mean, I mean, there's no such know, thing as moral relativism. What we were saying it. Well, well, no, go ahead, Joe. Like yeah. Well, I think one way you could describe um this kind of progressive social engineering project that is our current society is universalized relativism like universal relativism or uh where the only universal is that there is no universals kind of thing that that there is so there's like a kind of a denial of uh, of affirmation and we're going to affirm that denial you know that idea like the, the only thing that we should be intolerant of is intolerance or something it's a, it's a kind of preeminent nihilism mm -hmm. that defines our culture where where you're not allowed to believe in anything because that's authoritarianism that's uh fundamentalism and so we have to respect all beliefs but we don't actually respect any beliefs because to, to if you actually respected them you would respect people who actually believed in them and actually right. meant what they believed and if you really believe in something you think other people are wrong and you think you're right if you think everyone's views are all valid and we should listen to everyone and everyone's equally important. They don't actually believe in anything because to me, if you yeah. believe in something, you wouldn't think that. To yeah, my spicy take, my spicy take is that um, multiculturalism, because my country is like the fucking poster child for state enforced multiculturalism. My take is that as liberal multiculturalism increases, it is an excuse for cultural illiteracy, illiteracy of other people. Uh, I think that as when society was more racist, ironically, uh, unironically, that people had a better working knowledge of other people's cultures. Like, for example, the British Empire, they knew culturally that they were superior on a number of levels. Now, I think, well, mm. as a Mediterranean, I sort of uh, doubt that. But they had an immense knowledge. The average Victorian had an immense knowledge of, for example, someone in Japan, uh, various African tribes. Um, whereas as society becomes more multicultural, then you view all other cultures as sort of a trinket, uh, tourist yeah. trinket trap. Uh, it is well, an excuse like for cultural literacy. Like a trinket combined with a Mary Sue, where you can't Only see true the, uh... racism can install cultural literacy love. So <laughs> but we don't um... need to even use the word racism here, because really what we're talking about is comparing one culture to another. That's more culturalism. And I could see how back then but... those two things were combined. I think that we can we can dislodge one from the other in the future. But here, there's a tweet that I made about this Tim Dillon quote. They're allowing actual hell in, but disallowing the satire. So this is something that I have an issue with, not just with today's structure, but uh, why I also have an issue with the uh, authoritarian, uh, authoritarian structure that Joel will be more in favor for. I think that this uh, power of satire, the power of uh, comedy is something that uh, tells me whether a society is healthy or not, whether this is something that is much more spread out. And uh, I don't necessarily see satire as having a role in either Joel's vision or the vision that we're currently living under today. 
Well, what, what do you mean? Like, I come out of the dissident right, which is like the vanguard of satire in our culture for the past decade. Uh, have you um, seen, uh, ha ha if you go to a 4chan's poll, their uh, comedy thread or, you know, uh, whatever that's called, it's it's like the, wor the worst, okay? It's not, well, it's not, it's not that okay, good. That, that, that's what I'm it's getting a, it's at. A message, it's, a, it's a message board. I mean... I still the cream I, rises to the top when it comes to uh, yeah, but poll hasn't been good for quite a for quite a while. Yeah. I don't know. No, my yeah, my, like, whole, my whole point know. here is that I think that under any also, kind of dictatorial system, you're not gonna have great satire. Okay, well, this this idea that I'm in favor of authoritarianism, like as though I'm advocating it, as opposed to what my view is authoritarian realism, as I stated, which is like it's like saying, "Are you in favor of breathing oxygen?" It's just like you have to; you don't have a choice. Yes, that's you do. my view on authoritarianism. Not I, I oh disagree. well, you know, no, no, you don't. Well, the arguments I I gave a series of arguments as to why I don't believe you have a choice. I believe either you uh, either you engage with authority uh, or you become authority's bitch. These authority does not like yeah you, but authority does not necessarily parish, mean authoritarianism like a bitch or fight like a dog like authority does not mean okay. authoritarianism you can have a very okay, well, strong what pushback. does authoritarianism mean then authoritarianism means a system where the government has a lot of power in terms of deciding what happens to you what happens to your family where you are or not allowed to go uh, whether certain things can be satirized or not, whether people would be thrown in jail for saying the wrong things, that I would see as being an authoritarian structure as opposed to people fighting with that same fire in their belly that you would want to see against a lot of the authoritarian structures that we currently have in place, relatively authoritarian structures that we currently have in yeah, place. Yeah, but in order to get together and fight, you would need to develop a chain of command that yes. would have a rigid authority structure, and then you would have to obey To a certain extent. It depends on where you where the cutoff is. For me, the cutoff would be when it comes to a top-down governmental system deciding whether or not people are allowed to do certain things. Every governmental system is, is top-down. That, and to a, decides that people are allowed yes, to do but then there are also the yes, but then is. there are also checks to power, which is why, and I know that's a very cringe. The checks to power are parts, a lot of, are a parts lot of, of the gun. Uh, what are the checks? Give me, give me, name some checks. Give me, give me one check. All right, one check, for example, is the kind of check that uh, enables. I mean, I'm not talking about Australia right now, but at least here in the U.S., that enables neither you nor Logo nor even Geo in Canada to be whisked off by the uh, Secret Service for writing something uh, negative about the government. Okay, that That's I what would a check. No, well, what exactly enables that to be the case as opposed to not? Like the the practices of the state, the state. If, if the state decided we, okay number to one number one we have lawyers me. we have civil rights we have all this shit that okay, okay. you so may we, take so we have granted, a legal system. So what you're saying is the, the state created a legal system yes so the state is checking itself so, so okay so who designed that it legal doesn't system? it doesn't matter because we have we have people who runs that legal system who are going to be there we have people still who are liberals who you realize there are political like, dissidents in the united who are, states who are in jail Absolutely, and that's not great either. I'm not saying that it's a perfect system. What I'm saying, though, is that relative to that not being the case, let's, you would have... Let's not go, hold on, go oh, through oh, the logo no, no, debate again, please. Hold on, no, real quick, real quick, oh. real quick, and then I'm going to stop. Joel oh. and Gio, you guys are going to have a liberal that you know whose ideology you hate. 
you are still going to have that liberal at the end of the day, not a uh, SJW or whatever, not a leftist. You are going to have a liberal at the end of the day who is going to hate the ideas that you may have, who was nevertheless going to vouch for you under this system that you don't like. That's my only point, and that I see as being a check, whether we're just saying that, oh, it's just a piece of paper, and whether people yeah. believe it or not, I, we still I have, to, I think, okay, enough people uh, okay, who so believe in that. Having having a functional legal system, like, like I'm opposed to having a functional legal system, like, that's, that's insane. Like, what do you mean? I agree, yes, we should have a functional legal system, and yes, it's... Sh- it, it, it's it, it, no it under your legal system there's going to be, be a top down stru- well no under your legal system every legal system has a top down structure every legal specifically it's going to be a top down structure where the person at the top is going to dictate what people okay. are who's the person at the top to say i know joseph so a judge makes a decision the ju- so a judge makes a decision and you don't like it what do you do you go to a judge above him right because it's a top down system yes and then eventually there's a final judge a judge of last resort, right? Yes, that and that's still to. a different and that's still a different system than the kangaroo courts that they had in the USSR. I'm saying yes. Wait, wait, wait I advocate can... for kangaroo courts. I, I advocate. Uh, I never advocated against having a functional legal yes, system. Yes, and, uh, and I'm sure a lot of the people who back then in imperialist Russia were advocating for a uh, better society. I'm sure that they weren't advocating uh, for being put up against the wall and shot. My point is that these things are the ones that end up happening once you actually institute the kind of top-down system you're in favor of. But anyway, we already have on- a top-down system. Yeah. C- compared to what? Again, I'm not gonna go. Oh this man. Okay. Rig- let's no, no, stop. No. Let's stop. It, we keep going this, over the this, same. The structure of the system is top-down. Like, like every. Like, I, I, I said, name a check. The check that you named was the legal system. I just said the legal system is a top-down system. You didn't provide an argument against that. A tap down so, system. A tap down system again, relative to what exactly you're saying? Because yes, we have different courts. We have top different down, judges. Uh, top we down. Have, we have activistic judges. Agency distributed upper hierarchy. Yes. So the kind of hierarchy we have is still not the same kind of hierarchy where everybody reports to the person at the top and the person at the top is going to decide that you, Joel Davis, who wrote something bad about the government, is going to get arrested for that. We still have some way of preventing that, right? At least right okay, now well, in the United you, States, so you're you not going to get arrested. Yeah, but like you're, you're skipping. If the... I was in England, if I was in, if I was in my homeland, the country of my people, mm-hmm. and I make a tweet that's racist, I can be arrested and put in and jail. And that's horrible. Realize... And I and that's what we got to fight against. No, but like, you know where that, do you know where that comes from, though? So, do you know where that comes from? The reason why we've never had free speech in the UK is because of literally the monarchy. That's why, like. The... <clears throat> If you speak out against the monarchy, it's considered treason. And that's literally why we've never had freedom of speech. So it comes from authoritarian shit. Like, that's the problem. Like, Well, first of all, based. Second of all, the idea that... Wait, first of all, UK what you got, is you this, got cut, is this cut bastion out. of... of, of For, we huh? said, first of all, first of all, what? Based. Oh, I, said, I, I said, first of all, based. And second of all this idea that britain is an authoritarian nation when britain was literally the greatest force for these libertarian ethics in the world the entire american system was founded off british political philosophy no they were escaping those political philosophers those political philosophers that were essentially those political philosophers were literally members of like you know the like the royal societies, you know, and also I mean? fight like, in a war against them. 
Well, yeah, obviously it, it's a complicated history, right? But the point is, is that like British, the British cultural traditions, uh, the, ground the Scottish Enlightenment in particular. Yeah. Yeah. All of this libertarian uh, ideology in the first place is to say that like Britain is this like massively authoritarian system um, because of its inherent structure is just patently absurd. When historically speaking, if you compare Britain to like every other European nation, it's the most libertarian one of them all. Like, uh, like, like historically, this is just a fact. And the legal system that exists in the Anglosphere, the common law system, what have you, this is, this is like, you know, largely like even like, you know, conser American conservatives will mm. go on about how they'll, they'll soy jack over um, British jurisprudence as this like grand system. Like go back to like uh, John of um, uh, Salisbury in like the 11th century, where he was arguing that like the king was subject to rule of law because ru rule of the rule of law is an expression of the divine will. Like British jurisprudence has this long history of like, restraining the king, like Magna Carta, of yeah, like, that only of came from constitutional having, agreements. That only came from like having like massive strife against authoritarian figures that came through monarchy, and like the Magna Carta only exists because of that. But also, the most authoritarian well, figure in, in 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 British history is Cromwell, and he chopped the head off the monarch. Yeah. I, okay. Well, how how is how is he more authoritarian than the monarch that preceded him? What do you mean? The the, the central complaint was Charles I was trying to implement a kind of taxation system in order to create the British Navy. He wanted to create a navy so that Britain could defend its interests overseas. Now, this pissed off the kind of system he wanted to implement, pissed off a whole bunch of elites in British society who sided with Cromwell to put some sham treason trial against him, chop off his head, which he took like a boss. If you look um, the speech that Charles I gave, um, to the people that were going to put him to death was incredible. He's like, I, I, I love this nation. If this is the decision that you make, just uh, like he basically counseled them in statesmanship and tried to pass on to them a, a sense of, okay, you're taking over from me. So you're going to have to take care of my people. It was like, it's beautiful. He really is. A, it really is a compelling period. So he gets his head chopped off. Cromwell institutes essentially a kind of parliamentary dictatorship, centralizes massive amounts of authority to the British government creates this massive taxation system way bigger than what Charles I would have implemented, creates the British Navy, and that's the basis of British imperialism. And like Cromwell is celebrated in British history precisely because he was more authoritarian than the monarch. He, he, he was willing to kind of go beyond, uh, he, he built a coalition that went beyond the limitations of the old order. And um, of course, there's the restoration and British history is complicated. But this idea that like monarchy was authoritarian it's just simply historically false because every time look at the French Revolution, the, the like the Jacobins and shit were way more authoritarian than any French monarch had ever been. And in fact, if you look at in history, really authoritarian monarchs in European history, they don't get overthrown because they're powerful. The ones that get overthrown are the weak ones that try to compromise with people and try and uh, and try and um, include civil disc like parliamentarianism and include like civil discord, they weaken themselves and that's how they end up getting taken out by savvy Stal politicians. Stalin was, and those savvy uh, politicians always centralize the state after. Yeah, Stalin's a great mm, example. No, no, well, Lenin Stalin, and Stalin was more, way Stalin more savage more, than the Tsar. But, no, yeah, exactly. But the point here is that Stalin was more authoritarian than the Tsar or than Brezhnev, for example, yet it was still under Brezhnev that dissidents 
got into mental institutions and were pumped full of drugs to set an example for the others, you know, that messed up their mind. So again, it's like, I don't want to pick favorites here and say that this is more, this leader is more preferable than that. And I'm not going to say that Britain today, where it comes to uh, censoring and arresting people for speaking out against migrants is a great system. That doesn't mean that I'm going to look down on the British system of laws and not see there being something in there that's uh, worth preserving. Like we can have more nuanced uh, opinions of a lot of these various things than pick out what are the aspects we want to preserve and what are the aspects we want throw overboard we can't just pick things out we have to look at material history because every like every political movement that wins it builds a coalition that has strategic advantages over its opponents right you know people don't just sit around and go hmm in like an ideal scenario like we're just going to abstractly imagine what society should be like and then it comes into being that never fucking happens what happens is a bunch of pragmatic statesmen figure out how to outmaneuver their enemies by creating new coalitions um, that enable them to essentially seize the state and defeat or deal with their political enemies. Maybe the way you deal with your political enemies is, you know, you choose more the carrot than the stick, but like one of these two options basically needs to be employed. And, and, and that's when you really look at political history, that's what it is. There's not people just dreaming up fantasies. Um, these things there's are, these no, things there's are nothing here that I would reality. There's nothing here that I would disagree with when it comes to how do you actually end up winning. My only point is that when you do end up winning, don't get rid of the actual parts of the system that would make sense uh, to keep if we're talking about term limits, if we're talking about a lot of the other, let's say, protections that are guaranteed under the Constitution. Now, you may think that, oh, if our guy's in there, that we could just cast those off. Who needs them? We're going to start fresh and uh, new. My whole point is that you're, again, signing a deal with the devil by doing that. Well, I mean... And you can still no, politically I mean, like fight. It's... You can still you can still have your coalition. You can get allies together, and you could figure out a way to get rid of the uh, people who are in charge right now, and instead put the people in who would be much more in favor of things that would, uh, you know, be be favorable for a better economy, better culture, uh, all that stuff. But at the same time, not skin and get rid of the entire well, system that enables people like you not that's to what get I'm persecuted at the end of the day. No, what you're saying is that if you want a top-down structure with a dictator on top, you're willing to bet that you are going to be all right and your friends are going to be all right, that they're not going to be the ones who are persecuted. But that's a very common theme with communists as well, where they think, like, I'm going to be the party member and it's... It's only going to be my enemies that are no. going to be the ones who are going to be persecuted, not it's me. Massive, I'll be all right. It's a massive difference between what I'm proposing and what the communists are proposing because the communists believe that the working, like the, the, the proletariat is essentially oppressed by class struggle and uh, by well, class antagonism where the state guarantees the interests of some ruling elites. And so we need to seize the state in order to run it for the people, right? But, but like, like the idea of what the people want is something that they basically cook up uh, ideologically and actually relates to the, the experience of the common man in any kind of fundamental way, which is why most Marxists in the West today are a bunch of uh, petty bourgeois liberals. Three cells. Um, mm. that's, that have no, but, you, but you expect yeah, yeah, they have the people no relationship that you're... To, 
but you yeah, expect that, the people that you're going to, to put them, in the charge to, is the, to, uh, to actually what, understand let, the people. We're going to get let it me, right let this me time. Explain. Most okay. communists nowadays let, think let me, workers are trans sex no, workers. Like, That's what they think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're more interested in, yeah, like these kinds of things. But the actual experience of the working class, I think what they, what they care about is they don't care about all this ideological nonsense. They just want to be able to have home ownership. They want to be able to send their kids to schools that don't teach them to be transgender weirdos. They want to um, get a decent job and be able to pay their bills. And like, you know what I mean? Like they don't, they, they want purchasing that power to be like, no, that, would, that, that, that would be, that, that would be great. That would be great. I fear that what you're going to end up getting instead is people who want nothing more than to stay in power. And that's, that's where it's going. But that's to every system. Everything though. else that's, is top. I, I, no, system, it's not every. No, it's not every that. system because name one not system is not like that. It's a matter of degrees. Again, I keep bringing up this point about Geo and Joel not being thrown in the gulag. No, no, but love, love, let me explain. Opinions. Again, let okay, me explain. But we're not communists, so don't worry. We're not gonna. <laughs> yeah. But no, my point, love, is that really, and I guess we should end it. Is that um, you're you're focusing too much on the conditions? Okay, you, you have to. Uh, focus on the conditions that are present at hand, obviously. And by the way, yeah, we're kind of, I think we're, I think Lev is trying to work on getting Jay Dyer on. I know people have requested him and Keith Woods and all that. Um, but I think Lev, my point is that you have to look at the actual conditions by which authority is driven from, right? You have to look at who can who defers authority on certain people. That is sort of the arche of, society and power as such. Now we have a very nihilistic society in which, you know, the legitimacy of rulers are given by some kind of technocratic apparatus for a variety of reasons that have culminated into, you know, our, you know, modern quote unquote liberal society. That is the point is that if you were to go back to not go back even, but if you were to create a system in which there are um, authorities being driven by something higher than just, uh, let's say, the efficacy of a technocratic elite, then I think that's what the hope is. That's, it's not a matter of like, we have to kill a certain number of people to get our way, or we have to sort of, um, you know, for, I mean, what, what, what price you're going to kill people and throw them in gulags? Oy vey. It's like, no, it's like, you have to, look at where authority comes from and what is the legitimate role of power and authority because power doesn't cease. I, I read, I remember it is, like I want to again, throw all the pedos yeah. and gulags. I want to throw all, all, I Oh, by the way, Joe, Joel, we got to be careful. Yeah. On like, yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, I remember one time there was yeah. this, uh, in my uh, political science program in Canada, everyone worships Charles Taylor and Charles Taylor. He's has a lot of good points. He had, he had this one essay once um, critiquing Michel Foucault, where he says, well, you know, there's no out in the Foucaultian system. There's no out of power. There's no like sort of liberal reprieve, like democracy or whatever. And that's the whole point is that power is kind of like the air we breathe. Power is just the, it's almost like will to power. It's a force of nature. It's not, you can't just envision that there's this, you know, special space outside of power that, you know, uh, people, high-minded moderns can access. That's not the that's not the case whatsoever. Power the is a reality the that you have to contend with. Yeah, go ahead. And then the maybe most, like, the, the, most, like the, the the premier the premier libertarian intellectual life today is Hans Hermann Hoppe, right? Yes, premier libertarian, the absolute best alive in the world. 
And his argument, he has a book called Democracy of the God That Failed. And he makes a very cogent argument according to libertarian principles that monarchy is far better for freedom than democracy. And his argument is very simple. He says that, like I said before, that when you have a democratic system, that, the, that because you have people coming into power for every you know, four or five year blocks or whatever, um, they don't have a long-term mindset. They don't actually have to care about what happens 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the track. They have to just keep trying to focus on winning the next election. Whereas if you have a monarch and they're going to hand down authority over the state to their children and their grandchildren and so forth, they have an incentive to think about the long-term well-being of their society. And so yeah. the short-termism of democracy encourages massive amounts of expenditure, debt, uh, taxation, et cetera, to try and like make all these promises to people to get yourself into power that end up having like this, like this very um, uh, total lack of long-term planning. So we created these long-term problems where we have this, like in the United States, they just keep adding to the debt over and over and over and over again. How are they ever going to pay this shit back? It's politically impossible to pay it back because you would have to say to everyone, we're going to take away all this free shit that we give you. We're going to tax you and then not give you anything for it. That's crazy. That's never going to work. You're never going to get elected on that principle. So the can just keeps getting kicked down the road. Whereas he says a, a monarchy simply it wouldn't get itself into this kind of hole because if that if you're passing that down to your kids, you're basically saying to your kids, here's a fucking ticking time bomb and you're in mm. like, you know, like good luck with that son. And so and so there's this difference in in mentality. The other idea he had basically was that if you want to have a libertarian society, that you basically have to um, create a kind of a coalition of property owners, which is a essentially a state credit, like an agreement between them, which is essentially a constitution, and then create a government that builds a wall around its edge and kicks everyone out who doesn't agree with you. Um, kick out all the communists. He even makes arguments for kicking out um, homosexuals, blacks, etc. That was the phrase, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah physical removal. Yeah, yeah. And, and his argument is that you need to have a bunch of people in society who have this long-term uh, mindset, who have invested investments in like, their own property they have children and so forth so that they care about the, the social values of that society 20 30 40 years in the future where if you bring in hey, you have a bunch of like hostile individuals that have different ideologies that, that have different loyalties uh, that don't have the same faith that are, they don't have families they don't have the same incentive to care about the long-term well-being of your society and so he, he he says to make libertarianism work you have to basically create some kind of like catholic monarchist uh you know uh um ethno state or something which is which is hilarious right but he, he makes a lot of really good arguments now there's certain aspects to his view that like uh, i think uh, this massive missing piece is but that's the point that this like liberal democracy is an agent for the for the growth of the state uh because of this short-term mindset and also because it creates um the necessity to you know create dependencies you can import voters to be to be clear though other. to be clear i am not in favor of uh democracy neither do i think uh Styx is in favor of democracy well, even a republic even the american about... republic well, he is founded upon he is. No, he's in no, favor he's of a, yeah no he's in favor of the american of american constitutional republic like he, yeah that, but that's, that's not that's a democratic system well not it, in the pure sense of like what aristotle there's three kinds of government there's democracy, there's oligarchy, there's monarchy. Which one do you like better? Those are the uh, only three systems. <laughs> what is the American system in this case? Which, uh, which it would be closer to democracy in the ancient sense. But okay, so think, Joel says yeah, oligarchy it's, and... Uh, well, you I know think what, it's an what oligarchy point, masquerading as a democracy. You know a point that I find very fascinating and interesting is that when Joel was describing the role of 
hereditary monarchy. I love it when like shit libs, especially here in Canada, when the fucking CBC does its umpteenth document. And here's the thing, like as much as they make it hard for me to sympathize to, because of their activism, uh, I do think that the, uh, the indigenous people have been fucked over and that they should have a separate society for themselves where they have self-determination. But I love it when shit libs in this country, they go on about, you know, the Native Americans, they had uh, systems in place where they thought about their grand, great, great grandchildren a um, hundred years into the future where they make a decision. Now they think about, it's like, what the fuck do you think hereditary monarchy is? The Iroquois Confederacy was basically like a hereditary monarchy run the by patriarchy a in general. Yeah, exactly. They, the long house was largely a patriarchal construct by the time um, around, I forget which century, but when the European settlers came here, um, the sort of agrarian longhouse structure of the Iroquois was very much patriarchal and they still had a lot of um, council. They still had like a lot of women leaders, uh, elders, but it but is a, it, at it that is time it was Gio. totally different than it this is like, fucking though, noble Gio. savage. Like, like you're, yeah, you're, t- you're talking about these long houses uh, working. And I would say that if we are talking about smaller tribal structures, or if we're talking about like the mountain men of Afghanistan or whatever, yes, you could say, no, like, but I just think it's those, ironic how libs, on, oh, they talk about, yeah, I, their... I know, I know. I, I get that. But if we're talking about these structures, yes, you could say that they, they would work in these smaller clusters my problem is that we're talking about a technologically advanced age with a lot of communication with a lot of transportation with a lot of ways for very dumb people who uh think they have good ideas to screw a lot of things up but, when it comes to when it comes right. to your life when it comes to joel's life avercentra's life my life it's very easy once again to sit in front of the computer and talk about how much it would be good for us to get back to this and that. I have a big problem with that because I don't really think. Oh, any love of the people... with your boomerisms. <laughs> yes, no, I I 100% believe in that. No, but see, I that's think, the problem. I think all, no, no, all the people who are watching this. I mean, it's it, it's so. Please funny. don't go after it, the audience. Please don't. No, no, no. Just I, don't am, do I am going to partly, partly, just just a smidgen, just oh. just a bit, just 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 a bit. You have to you have to consider. That I love you, audience. All of you. I love you too, but I'm love hard. is like the school. I am hard. He's... I am hard, and I am fair. I am hard, and I am fair. And this is why this is why I am fair because I think that a lot of the people who are watching this right now don't like the way things are going. Know that this uh, structure is very screwed up. As far as solving it, I think a lot of people have no problem throwing the baby out with the bathwater because they see disorder, not just what's going on around us but i think that they see disorder within themselves and they want to correct themselves and thus well, they want true. to that's, get they a lot want of right wingers do live a disordered life i will admit that and they um, want to up whenever the entire, talks the down of society when he says hey, i love whenever my life talks down to the audience he gets hired so that's <laughs> it's like psycho, it's like psychological analysis like oh your political opinion is like you you only care about authoritarian politics because because you know your 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 life an is a mess that you're that can't to, get a girlfriend. Like yeah. this, this this is just total BS. Like I love my life, my my personal life. I don't have any like issues with it really at all that is significant. I care about this stuff because I think I'm thinking about what kind of world are my grandkids, great grandkids, etc., going to live in, and also I'm thinking about the struggles that my ancestors over generations, over millennia, to to kind of pass down a society to me, 
I don't want to spit on, on on that sacrifice. I want to try and carry the torch, and that's very important to me. Um, and, that, and that's and great. So and engaging I, and... with the political and speaking the truth. I, yeah. I'm trying to speak the truth. I'm trying to say I'm trying to speak the truth as I see it, not um, engage in like some kind of grift where I just tell people what they want to hear or make up some like you know ideology that. Um, like, you know, sounds really agreeable to other pe people. I'm trying to give people what I see as, at least in my view, what I see as reality. I think very hard about these questions and I try to speak honestly about them because I think that's, that, that's, that's my ethos, right? I yeah. I'm, not, I'm not here trying to sell you on some bullshit or convince you. I mean, I guess I, I would like people to consider my ideas, but I'm not here to try and, um, uh, I'm not pushing some kind of nefarious agenda you know what i mean i'm just saying how i see it and i'm and, and i think and how i see it is, is is rooted in like historical my my reading of history it's not just like some and that's and that's very abstract, good that you go oh, wouldn't it be nice and i think and we can't blame people go... love we can't blame people hmm. for having a disordered life with the very monumentally fucked up call yuga type of existence we live in look at the two gentlemen behind me that is a disordered <laughs> life i live a disordered life they live a disordered life hmm. we've but so we do admit fucked. that that Joel, despite things going great for you, and I think that that's a beautiful thing that uh, you are able to handle things in a stride. I do think that this is well. Like no, Gio I shouldn't say that Logo does. Logo, his wife takes care of him. He, right, he lives yeah, a very ordered yeah. life. Right, so that's... Enough about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that this is a problem, uh, like uh, Geo that you mentioned, that a lot of people are facing. And I'm not saying that with any malice at all. I'm saying that basically, I'm trying to be compassionate here and say that we want to get out of this uh, of this problem. My fear is that the kind of leadership that Joel is advocating for is going to be not the one where, let's say, in a smaller tribal setting, you would have this fundamental idea of I'm going to pass on a better society than the one that I started out with being ruler. I'm going to be responsible. My concern is that, again, going back to whatever's happening with the general intelligence of, you know, this Kali Yuga population, I just see that the leaders that are going to be coming up right now, that they are going to be even worse when given that power. They somebody who you think is going to be like a, uh, I don't know, like a Julius Caesar or like an Augustus or whatever instead is going to, or even like a Napoleon, is instead going to end up being like a Molly Jong fast, only dressed up in your colors. And I do mean specifically dressed up in your colors, meaning I really doubt that people who are going to be as ambitious and want to stay in power in that kind of system are actually going to be as Christian as you are, Joel, and are going to be as somebody who wants there to be a better society for the people that are under them. I just think that they're going to want to hold on to power as long as they can. And not only that, let's say you're right. Let's That's say we're being ruled by right now. Let's say somebody we're power. being ruled yeah. right now by people like Molly Zhang fast. That's the fucking reality. And to me, it's the, the biggest black the extent of, of their rule. And to me, it's the nature of the extent of their rule and what they're able to get away I'm, with. I'm anyway. run by a guy. I'm run by a guy who probably closes the fridge door with his hips. Okay, <laughs> Justin Trudeau. So all right, <laughs> all right, average centrist. Before before we go, I just want to get your take on this conversation as well uh, from the uh, from the British perspective. I know a lot of things were said about King Charles the first here, and in general, like any. any Do we have super? Have I think here. we have super chat. Yeah, yeah, and then and I'm gonna the finish one, out oh, the, the super one chats. super chat. Um, Unfortunately, no, we haven't had uh, King Cobra on, but that would be a great guest. I mean, I, I saw his Tech Wars interview. 
Um, I'm not as proficient in King Cobra lore as I am with Chris Chan lore, but uh, he, apparently he's a good, I, I like the interview. Um, imagine if we had him and like a, a Jason Genova on, we have like Serpent Mountain Jason Genova. That'd be amazing. <laughs> wait, wait, who are yeah, I'm uh... doing my gains. <laughs> All right. Advertise you got to know good. the deep lore love. You go, know the go for lore. it. Yeah. I, uh, I think like, um, it's hard to speak to the whole thing um, because there's a lot of things getting said all over the place. So it's, it's hard to like fully say something uh, that summarizes it all. But I think voices like Joel are really important because like, I think there has been a massive problem with conversations where voices like Joel who are talking about just more, uh, I guess you could say out of the, like in the cultural zeitgeist have been more out of the box opinions for a long time. Like, you know, the idea of going back to monarchy or something like that is not something that's really been in the public consciousness for a long time. So I think it's really important to see, like, what are the merits of that in this modern society? Like, you know, it's interesting. Uh, so I appreciate it. I'm dubious still. I'm not going to lie. I'm very dubious about it just because, like, the kinds of monarchies that existed in the medieval era brought about, like, hundreds of years of, like, unrelenting war and just, like, also levels of authoritarianism on the populace that were pretty pretty abhorrent like little kids would be getting hung uh, just for like random acts of petty crime shit like that you know it's um it, it, it could get pretty bad so like it's not like everything's just all roses with this kind of stuff but however it might not necessarily be that they would become that necessarily so like it depends what we're actually talking about but uh, yeah plus know, the technology and material was- conditions of Things are different. This century was objectively more brutal than any other century in human history, objectively. In terms of of body count, the amount of deaths. And also, you know, Mm -hmm. the the 20th century, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. But yeah, see, medieval then, wars goes, weren't actually but, that brutal. Like there was more mm. things like disease and fam, like you know. But see, but there, there goes my concern again about the top-down thing, because with the added technology added on top of a top-down rule, I would expect more of the same to no, but, uh, be a. No, but the problem is when you have um, top-down authoritarian rule. There is no is... non-top-down. There's no bottom-up rule. Name one. No, that's up. yeah. It's all top-down. Yeah. No, but what I mean is that, that when you have a secular, thing, like what bottom-up. When you have like no, a secular no, millenarian no, no, Joe, if we're, if we're talking about top down, da- uh, I'm not going to keep repeating the whole thing, but again, it's yeah. like top down in North Korea is, is that not actually the same top down in the agent? United States. You would, you would say that it is, but I think that that's just disingenuous if that's uh, what you think. That, that's academic agent, please come about. on BTR. That would be amazing. Yeah. So if that's no, no, a real no, academic but actually, actually, but you're, but you're just talking about different kinds of top down. I'm t- I, I, I'm saying we'd have to, we, we have to be realistic about authoritarianism not we have to become north korea not that we have yeah. to have some like absolute dictator who can do whatever they want i never said that all i said was is that this this idea that we need to constrain power um in order to like protect us against all of these terrible things like and work at some kind of compromise with our enemies where we mutually agree to this like way of constraining each other like that ain't gonna work now, right? The, it's, the the toothpaste is out of the tube. That was my point. And like, so now it's like we gotta fight. Either they're gonna win or we're gonna win. It's it's like it's like us versus them. It's like we we're already at war. Like it's 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 over. Like the the whole liberal democratic compromise where the right wing gets to be over here, the left wing gets to be over there. That's that's getting shut down now. You know what I mean, they won't. They they like if you if you have, if you've been paying attention to like what's been going on politically the last few years, like you should see that that 
that's exactly what's fucking happening. It, it's become it's and particularly after World War Two, it basically became illegal to be right wing in many ways. But now more than ever, it's literally illegal to be right wing. Yeah. In 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 like in a classical sense. So there is no such thing as this mm. free discourse anymore. The discourse has been won during, this, uh, by a certain ideological one, camp. During World War One, during Wilson's time, they were arresting members of the press who were uh, uh, arguing against the war. We've been through some shit, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if we were to go with your idea, then I would quote that uh, tagline from Alien versus Predator. No matter who wins, we lose. You know, that I could see that as possibly being the scenario oh, really? here. If you, if you build a coalition where you are part of that coalition, then it will, it will act in your interest because it needs to maintain your loyalty. Where right now, the system does not care that's what about the, our loyalty. The, that's what the communists thought, man. They thought the same thing. And I understand that you're not a no, communist. No, I'm, saying, I'm saying that's true about every system ever. There's always yes. going to uh, be some kind of structure of loyalty. And so yeah, what I'm saying both is of those a system right now that doesn't care about my loyalty. I'd like a system that does care about my loyalty, a system that actually cares about the interests of me and my people. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's highly <laughs> debates in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have, okay, but again, if you have that kind of system, then I don't think it's going to do what you think it's going to do. But anyway, we got to get to super chats over yes, here. Yes, our so. monarchy will have thick Latinas. I mean, they're kind of like Mediterranean, so I, I, I don't... Uh, uh, well, all right, here, here we go. Okay, I know Joel so, doesn't look... All right, C the... CG five dollars. Ma consumer philosophy and prime direct. Okay, yes, yes, I get it because I mentioned Star Trek. All of a sudden, I'm yeah, but Star Reddit, Trek Reddit was Reddit like tier. a a like total like final. Star Trek was more communist than the actual Soviet Union when it was made in the sixties. Like Star Trek, like they had to like occlude every single source of human conflict that we would have a cashless. Um, well, we would have a state, but there would be like hmm. this like total multicultural, um, like resource based economy shit that like by the time TNG came around, they looked at Roddenberry. They're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to actually have a plot? So we have hmm. to like have much more ancient powers like the Klingons, uh, the Romulans to like come in and create the conflict or like the Borg because they're like, well, I guess we advanced into a perfect earth, one earth society. <laughs> and it's like, fuck. No, there's always going to be, hey, I, love, I grew up, I grew up with Star Trek. Okay. Like I I'm, but still, it's like basically the perfection Captain of uh, punching uh, with aliens. Every episode. It's pretty yeah, based. Like, yeah. It's pretty based. Captain, Captain Picard pontificating about his libtard values. Yeah, so terrible. Kind of cringe. Although TNG did have good moments, like the mm. like the one where uh, Data became a god, like a sun god, that was pretty good. Um, anyways, we're getting lost. Speaking, speaking of Hans Hermann Hoppe, I, I went from Oz to fucking Star Trek yeah. TNG. Speaking of Hans Hermann Hoppe, Scoms Hoppe, five dollars. One sticks isn't a libertarian. Two, the libertarian solution is a mass unlimited secession. And the formation of a private law society. Is that like Kurt Doolittle? The, the uh, it, sounds like, it, sounds, it sounds like Carlsbad esque, uh, like, <laughs> like uh, Hello. We're going to get you on with Carlsbad, Joel. No, no, but what I was arguing to Sticks was if you want to be a libertarian, you have to be Nigel Carlsbad. That's like, that's yeah, like the best libertarian yeah. there is. He's it's like true. the greatest libertarian online. Um, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful worldview. I, I could kind of see. Like this, there's something there that is that is that is beautiful. I mean, I guess I am Catholic. People are saying here, like, is the monarchy going to have thick Latinas in ball pits? Yeah, of course, man, mm. possible. 
Oh, by the way, there is also over here from a CG. Uh, civilization <laughs> is downstream from her people. White people are special and created what you like. Love it. So that is the uh, second part of the uh, $5 super chat. Well, from, uh, I think CG. that certain people, they, they're acclimatized to certain forms of rule that there is really um, power is much to do with geography and cultural geography. And, and I would say ethnicity is a big part of it. I wouldn't say it's the total part of it, um, but it's certainly one of it. I wouldn't deny it. And I think me and Joel were kind of in agreement on that. I don't Average know. centrist, what do you think? Sorry, I kind of zoned out for a second there. Sorry, what was the actual like crux of what he was saying? So uh, civilization being downstream from the people within the civilization. I mean, again, if we're talking about biological characteristics and so on and so forth, my whole policy is as long as people can measure up to a certain, uh, I don't know, to, to, to a certain zone, then any of the other stuff does not matter. Like, I care about how people raise their kids, whether they raise their kids in the same way that the people who uh, maintain said society in such a way that they would prefer it raise their kids. Like, that, if people can measure up to that uh, level than anything else I don't really care about. Okay. I mean, like, I just, um, I don't know. Like, I just, uh, I think, I don't know. There's a lot of talk today about like literally uh, changing all of government and not just like changing your culture and your like actual uh, community around you. Uh, like, I don't know. I feel like there's more immediate power in doing that and organizing that way than trying to uh, attack the, the, shit from the top down um but i don't know i don't know that's just my feelings on it but yeah i mean community engagement obviously is like i think that's one thing about modernity is we've become so this this project of bureaucratization it's always been about smashing apart like localized communal links localized institutions yeah like ex families, extended culture. families churches yeah and and making us all individuals with relation to the state making us and that that's the whole individual rights libertarian worldview it's kind of it kind of brings forth the state because it's treating everybody as individuals rather than people like that are bound up within communities with their own customs and their own way of life which is like when when um uh lev was talking before about the afghans and he was saying how you know afghan society is animalistic it's backwards and it's like again because if you interpret if you look at those afghan uh citizens as individuals that need to have all these libertarian rights you're immediately bringing forth this global governance structure that needs to give everybody in the, like if you say that there's universal human rights you're basically making an argument for world government uh, you're making an argument for yeah. like a global and, and this is uh, exactly why this. and this is exactly why when we were talking before about the war in iraq my point was that I was actually haranguing on people like Condoleezza Rice who were talking about how wonderful it would be if we give democracy to the Iraqis. Or my point is that certain parts of the world, especially if these are parts of the world where there's a lot of conflict going on, have your uh, strong-willed, uh, iron-fisted dictators there because that's actually one way to ensure that people who were living in Iraq that, let's say, did not want to get a, uh, you know, persecuted by having stones thrown at them that way they could actually le live a pretty decent life yeah under like saddam ran, saddam ran iraq way better than the shit show since and like gaddafi was amazing it was a brilliant yeah. dictator gaddafi in my opinion is like the most moral uh statesman of like the last 50 years in the world mm. The, but yeah, you notice but you notice something interesting here and he was peak dictator. aesthetics as well peaks maximalist uh, yes. aesthetics 
But Joe, you notice that here I'm not disagreeing with you, where it's like all of a sudden both of us are in agreement about the benefits of dictatorship, specifically for cultures that are not at the uh, civilizational level of uh, the yeah. United States. Well, our, our, our culture is not at the civilizational level to have this massive civic engagement. That's what, like when Sticks was talking about 19th century America, the, the way that there was like, and I was talking about the degeneration in political discourse on television and so forth. That's the thing. We live in um, an incredibly like, like stupid culture. Like, like political discourse is only getting dumber and dumber each decade. Um, political campaigns appeal to nonsense. Like they, they, they there is no substantive um you know rational discourse or something that goes on it's it's a joke the whole thing is this uh stage production um it's it's a complete joke right so my view is that there is like a, you can have localized civic participation but like you know of course but mm. in terms of like affecting the united states government no you, you can't have any effect and if you and if the people try to express them their popular will um you get you get you know, basically what they did to the Trump presidency, which, you know, fortifying elections and so forth. And, but he like just totally, um, there's like a lack of interest in the ruling class of the United States, which is why you have like the Atlantic council come out and say, you know, populism is the greatest threat to democracy. How could populism be a threat to democracy? Wouldn't democracy be popular will hmm. expressing itself politically, yeah, yeah. but oh, if we have populism, they might, they might vote some people in that might do things that aren't liberal. Like, so like you're only allowed to vote for things that are liberal. Otherwise you're not allowed to vote for those things because you could threaten liberalism and then that wouldn't be democracy anymore. So they've already like preloaded the ideology that you're supposed to vote for. Wait, wait, what would, be a liberal, else. what would be a liberal thing that somebody would vote for? What, what are you talking about? Like, give me an example of something liberal that would be voted uh, for. Like, like modern, more like I'm liberal in like the vernacular, not in like the technical sense. Like, All right, yeah, 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 I, or, yeah. You know, yeah. You, you knew you knew where I was going with that. But anyway, yeah. I guess when it comes to let's say people who were living in uh, Russia, that would be an example of kind of like a hell on earth scenario, where on one hand you had people who were very educated. You know, like if we're talking about like the uh, not like the uh, surf class in Russia, but like people who were like, you know, kind of like around the intelligentsia level, you would have people who would be, let's say, more self-aware that there were grave injustices being done to them, their friends, as far as uh, their life goes. I see that as being different than people who, for whichever reasons, were living in their, under a pretty hard life in the desert somewhere or whatever, like in Iraq for generation upon generation, where they are much more used to having that harder lifestyle, in which case, if there wasn't a dictator around, then I don't think they would be able to, you know, stop in more of an advanced, uh, you know, uh, technological society from, let's say, if there's a woman walking without that much on from something bad happening, like we see happening in Sweden. So that would be the the differences that I would describe there. On one hand, you have people living under a dictatorship that are not going to have their way with a woman who's going to, let's say, not be completely covered up walking outside. And then on the other hand, you would have people uh, who were living in such a culture where they would. That's why I'd say dictatorship for one and not for the other. It has nothing to do with biology as far as I'm concerned. It has to do with culture. Yeah, but that's also... Um... 
So if you import a whole bunch of South Americans into the United States, who, when South American countries are kind of more um, socialist, essentially, uh, in general, more authoritarian by the standards of, like, they're not, there's not, there's no like free market libertarians in Brazil, you know, or maybe there's probably a few, but like that are influential. Like these, these uh, and I, the imposition of these kinds of policies only came when like the CIA decided to like overthrow yeah. the Chilean government or something. So, so if you import a bunch, bunch of people from these uh, societies that don't share like you know anglo-saxon kind of civic norms um then you're going to dilute that so like so if you want to have you want to have your libertarian norms you kind of have to like you have to kind of be like like yes and let's say you have and let's say you have yeah well no let's say you have somebody from south america it doesn't matter like how much conquistador uh you know like blood or whatever they have that doesn't matter let's just say you have somebody from south america who uh let's say is completely in favor and advocates for and um uh you know embodies all the principles that you would be in favor of then i would have no problem whatsoever in having them participate in our society neither do i think would you so that's well like i remember every, Lev, any, uh, any talk about how are you supposed to figure that out how are you supposed to figure that out? Like, if you just, if, like, if you, like, you would that's, need to have no, a pretty, that, that's like, a good question. How, how, well, the Australian system, as far as immigration goes, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty, no, it's uh, complex, terrible. We have, a, we have a bunch, we have a bunch of, we have a bunch of, uh, no, it's just like, do you have a Don't degree you have, like, in a point system a... for, like, if you're able to do A, B, and C, then you can go in? I thought it was pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, but it's like basically to do with like educational attainment. So we have like a bunch of like Indian doctors that like uh, when you go to the doctor's surgery, they just like Google your symptoms and then tell you what Google tells them. Hmm. Um, well, no, I mean this we is... have like a we have a bunch of like um, you know Muslims who uh, like essentially like will flagrantly like cheat our like welfare system, or a bunch hmm. of Chinese that are like all organized into this these aren't like these like enclave towns that are completely controlled by chinese intelligence as a way, way to like uh, project political power into our country so it's like this was a mistake like in the only reason that we don't still have um how australia was originally set up which was australia was essentially a, a, a national a, a national socialist country in the loose sense of the term it had it was an ethno state it's very clear about that it had na the, the financial system was nationalized um, a lot of the key industries were nationalized and then the CIA decided to psyop us into being neoliberals to get with the program in the 70s, the 60s and the 70s, and pulled apart all of that, opened up our borders, opened up trade to the international system, deindustrialized the country, turned our financial system into, um, you know, a predatory mess. And, and, so, and so now, like, the country's been ruined, essentially. That no longer has the same, like, essential character that it once had, and its values have been diluted. Well, Joel, that is the million-dollar question right there. How can you properly discriminate when it comes to making sure that culture-wise, people who are going to be participating in your society are going to be at that level? Uh, and personally, I think the Australian answer was very simple. It was just like yeah. we are only going to accept immigrants that are like from the British Isles, and that's it. And we're going to create mm. and, and like the Australian Prime Minister in the Second World War. You know the the rights of man apply to Englishmen, not Chinamen. It's very like this was like a this was like the kind of common understanding, which was like like a, like that 
it wasn't even like that we hated the Chinese or we were white supremacists. It was that we understood that if we're going to be this country in Asia, we need to have our own specific character. If we fill our country with Chinese immigrants, they're going to try and turn us into like a kind of Chinese vassal state or something. And so it's going to be very difficult for us to self-determine our, um, our way of life and maintain our institutions and our culture. So we're, not, mm. we're going to prevent that from happening. I mean, it, like, it, it's common sense. All I could say is that like when it comes to either Russia or the United States in this instance where you have had, let's say, different uh, peoples who were living within, you know, this, the same place, you would have some people who would want to maintain their particular culture or impose their culture on others. And yet at the same time, you would have other people who actually want to be a part of whatever would be considered like the high civilization culture as far as like artists, poets, you name it, you know, like they want to be the best, you know, American or the best Russian, you know, the best example of, uh, you know, that uh, that kind of civilizational quality. My whole thing is that when you put a blanket ban on saying that no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, you are going to be excluded from participating or you are never going to be, uh, let's say, upgraded in terms of your job. You're never going to be promoted to this level because no, your wait, ancestors wait, 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 were why, so on and so forth. No, no, so for, what, what, so I'll they, give you an example they, with, with the Russian search, for example. from other states have a role? right to come and be citizens of your country like do i have a right to show up to another country and say make me a citizen no so no i'm specifically talking about people within the country joe i'm specifically talking about people who are already living within russia within america and my example here is that if you put a limitation on saying that because of your physical characteristics because of your ancestry you are forbidden from participating in what other people can participate in and it doesn't matter that you are just as good what that ends up happening, in my opinion, uh, is that you end up creating a fifth column. You end up creating an enemy fifth column within your own nation that mm. now has vengeance against you. And I think we've seen that in the 60s in America when it comes to the uh, race riots and all that. Like, this is something that the solution to is never, in my opinion, exclusion. Yeah, I think they, exclusion they should have sent all the... the, all the uh... They liberated the slaves. They should have stuck them on boats back to Africa or something. And like, uh, like they should never but, have tried to. No, but again, Joel, Joel, if we're, if we're no, if we're talking about the solutions to a lot of these uh, civilizational hurdles, my solution would honestly be having a certain. Uh, how do I say it? Having a certain level that people should get to, and try as hard as we possibly can to get people to that level. And to, without violence, enforce the idea of getting to that level. I don't think it's a hard thing to understand. And I understand that some people are against that. Some people, let's say, who are more on the left. So you want to be like conservatives, just like, you know, the the um, the Democrats are the real racist by making blacks dependent <laughs> on the welfare system. And you kind of, uh, they need to pull themselves Latinos up. Latinos are natural and. We need, we need some black small businesses and we need to rebuild well, the black family. Well, actually, give it a few years what's, and wait, Latinos well, well, will probably well, first be natural conservatives, all, I mean. What's wrong with um, that uh, last point? That's number one. And number two, as far as the pulling up by the bootstraps, I think we should have a return to more, let's say, uh, civic-minded societies within uh, smaller communities that would help the people and the families stay together. And uh, I don't think that that's a bad thing yeah. at all. Yeah, a pro-family civilization. No, a pro-family civilization would be good. I just don't find it feasible now, considering the amount of resentment from 
from African Americans, let's say, I don't know what I'm allowed to say with TOS towards, um, you know, white Americans, there is this massive inferiority complex. There's this massive amount of resentment and hatred. And I don't think a bunch of white people telling them to become more European in their culture is uh, is actually going to be that effective of a political strategy, to be honest. I think you've got to live in reality. I think they'd much rather hear the, politi- the demagogue politician that tells them that the white man is responsible for all of their ills and that the system's racist and it's all against them and keep voting Democrat um, so that we can keep giving you, we can keep like encouraging this culture of dependency and keep promoting feminism and abortion and, um, you know, degenerate culture and so forth in, in your communities. Um, and so, I mean, how, how do you deal with that? Like when you, like you gotta look at, you gotta look at the fact that we tried to have this project of racial integration and it's been a total failure. Like multiculturalism has been a failure in, in, in Europe, you have a situation in places like France and, and uh, Britain and Germany where they're on track. The Muslim population is, is only growing more and more like each decade. And so what are you going to do? Just keep allowing that to happen until they eventually become a majority and start like dominating all your political institutions. Well, we're we're still confusing two things that I think uh, you do view as being inseparable from each other. I view them as being separable, but it's going to be hard to separate them. But I still believe that they are separable. Specifically, if we're talking about multiculturalism, like I said from the onset, my goal here is that cultures other than let's say i don't know like the kind of cuisine that you're you know that you would make or like certain little festivals that you would organize that there would still be a lifting up to a certain civilizational level for people regardless of where they come from and that is something that should be encouraged that, and enforced that's a, without that's violence. a eurocentric that's a eurocentric concept like i'm sure the muslims believe that their form of civilization is and they guess, can practice that where they're from, right? I mean, that's the whole idea here. Oh, that that's sounds so you advocate, so, 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 Lev, so you advocate like mass deportation of Muslims from Europe? Once again, I don't want there to be a fifth column. All that I'm saying is that I want to Base. encourage people to live up to a certain... Lev standard love beast love yeah, anyways love, i'm, love, I'm getting rid no of no no i am not i am not my energy is i am not encouraging hold on i'm not encouraging any deportation of anybody all that i am encouraging love, is there to love be is a campaign that stems from a deep high... religious hatred against the european <laughs> oh i guess yeah, See, i mean love it's, is half it, it is it is very interesting no no it is it is very interesting though because all this time i'm basically saying that i so want henry be... my daughter tells me you're jewish uh, only half jewish but so, that's my so, good half <laughs> so Lev, do you think do you, do you think israel should love. open its borders to immigrants from like islamic countries mm, no no Okay. No. Well, Israel's first of all, Israel is a pretty small country, and culturally speaking, they have enough people who are Muslim uh, in it right now. So, if we are again talking about preserving certain uh, cultural values, not even religious values, but just cultural—I'm not even going to use the word cultural—civilizational values. I am not in favor of deporting anybody. All that I am in favor of, if we're talking about having a high level of civilization, is emphasizing through however you want to and i don't know i don't know how yet that's the thing like average centrist you could help me out with this if you want it's a I mess don't know, I don't this know, whole yeah. thing is a mess 
the whole yeah. the whole thing is yeah. a mess. But what I'm basically it should never have that... been put into a mess. Like 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 that's the like the Joe, whole Joe, thing. The whole project Joe, was a say... mistake. No, because again, if we're talking about the whole project was a mistake, then we can dissect which parts of this project we're talking about. My whole thing um, here, Joe. My whole multiculturalism. thing. Multiculturalism. The 1960s and the 1970s. There are a bunch of intellectuals a lot of them Jewish, who all decided that they were going to put forward all these ideas in the West and get all, all this institutional support from elite bankers and so forth, that all of these Western countries that were basically, you know, ethno-states almost, they were completely white. I mean, America did have, like, the black population. Australia had, like, you know, the, the native population and so forth. But other than that, it was completely white. And the immigration policy was as such that they should open up their borders and allow all of these immigrants from... The rest of the world into their countries this was a coordinated action to completely change the policy across the entire western world right mm -hmm. and and so and so that was clearly a mistake so again if we're if we're talking about these policy decisions if there was a policy decision to say let's say we're going to let people in from other countries as long as they live it to a certain cultural standard and you're right joel i don't know exactly how this would be coordinated i'm sure that there is a way of doing it my whole point is that as long as you base it on what people are doing what people are bringing to the table the kind of cultural values that they hold if that is your metric for the kind of people that you would want what was wrong with country, how they were doing it before because in the 1950s we were just we just had basically ethno states right what was wrong with that was everyone like oh you know what there's not enough chinese food restaurants like oh my god God, like I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm but it's not about here. the Chinese. Pro it's not about that. It's about if somebody. Like what do we gain? Be, what do we gain from it? If somebody happens to be from China or Japan or whatever, and again, like we could say, okay, maybe there's like enough people who are living in America. That's kind of like my argument with Israel, where you have a lot of people who are living in Israel right now who happen to have a higher civilizational standard, and that is something that I want to uh, be kept. Same thing, like if I go to the Jewish neighborhoods around Brooklyn, what do I find? I find pristine houses. You know, great lawn work. The men are dressed uh, and the women are dressed like they're from the 1950s. Okay, this is the dream of what somebody like you, Joel, would want to see in the United States. You know, they value community. They value all of these uh, values. And if we're talking about having more of that to a certain extent, I don't think any kind of racial segregation is going to help in that. I think the one way to do that is to, again, emphasize that there has to be a certain cultural standard, figure out how people can meet that cultural standard before they emigrate, racist. and that's that. What about their cultural standards? Like, so we're going to say that the race Chinese... Is not, what... Race is not cultural. No, 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 because what you're saying is you, you want to impose Western values, um, whatever they are. You want to impose Australian values on... on on american values whatever yeah so if, you're saying, if they're emigrating so, to a particular place so you're, then you're if that place like has the, a certain culture then yes that, yeah yeah well exactly so you're saying that's that not that has nothing to do with inherently race. better well it does it's because not... the Ind indians well i mean there's it, it, obviously an association between the two mm. i'm not I, but, I, but again people that aren't just has... being randomly born like oh like uh, roll the dice Ooh, i know I'm but at Japanese. the end of the, but at the end of the day Joel, I don't care about any of the biological parts of this, because all that I'm saying is that if you act a certain way, if you raise your kids a certain way, and that's what you present outwards to the world, then if that matches up with the civilizational level of where you would want to live, 
who are you to say that they uh, shouldn't be a part of that? And that is different from saying that if you are from a culture well, if, that, let's I believe, say, values I believe, beating your kids... I believe, then... I believe nation is embedded in family, right? So, yeah. so there's plenty of the nations was the first in the world. Nation. There's many... Like, like you know, to to get Polish citizenship, you like mostly need to either marry someone who's Polish or be have a Polish parent. You have to be born into membership of that nation. You can't just like turn up. Yeah, and but then the according to Michael gives Jones, you, gives you a piece of paper that says you're Polish now. Um, that's retarded. That, and that we've tried that, and it's been a total mess. Because what we've done is we've diluted. The countries that have done this have diluted what it actually meant to be members of those countries. Their you're, skipping, you're skipping over my point. Oh my God. No, no, you're <laughs> skipping over my point because you're <sighs> talking about this being a piece of paper, a sign and completely done deal. My whole point is no, let's take a step back and let's actually analyze the people who are coming in. But it has time to take a step what back. Values... France, if it doesn't take yes. action now, it's going to become a Muslim country. Europe is, is becoming become a, a fucking country. retirement home nation. United, the United States is is becoming brownified. <laughs> right? It's like it's already. This has been going on for fifty years. We don't need to sit around and have a conversation. Oh. We can just look at it and say this. This is obviously not working. I think. And so, why should we go <laughs> on about? Well, if we just did That's it this not way, it was it was working before. It, so you're it, it, wait, it, but basically, Joe, what you're saying is that if there was somebody who came from a let's say a brown country, full disclosure, brown, my some, mother is an immigrant yeah, to here. So yes, if we're if we're talking about there being some admit. somebody Italian, somebody from the southern Italy where they're darker, some southern Italian person, maybe we could have that, success let's say, with southern Italians, right? But I'm but. They, but like we have no, maybe, but again, like, why are you putting these? No, I think someone they should have shipped back. In my okay, opinion. so you're so Joel, your whole point at the end of the day is that it is physically impossible with the time scale to be able to have some kind of a judgment call based on the way that a person acts as far well, as whether or not they are compatible my position, within the country. My evidence for my position is what's actually happened, and you're talking about well, actually, if some random sentiment that you have was imposed that has no bearance on actual reality anywhere in the world, then maybe it would be better. And it's like, well, just look at reality. Look at how things actually work. Immigrants were not brought in because we, we thought there would be great contributions to the country. They were brought in to dilute the white population because um, they were afraid that white, there was certain individuals that were afraid of white people exercising their democratic will and over their own countries. That's why they were brought in. They were brought in to well, create Well, that and they need worker bees. That's another thing. Yeah, they were, they were brought in as, de yeah. as dependents upon the ruling class of these countries that wanted to oppress like, I, I don't working like, and middle Joel, classes. Like, Joel, I this is all this ideology. This is all this ideology designed to legitimate that action when that action was an act of violence, right. essentially. By, no, but uh, Joel, I, I disagree with you to the extent that... How come only it's... white countries have had to do this, by the way? Like, uh, well, like, yeah, yeah. This didn't happen to China. This didn't happen to Japan. This didn't happen to Iran. This didn't happen to a whole bunch of these other countries. No one's telling them, you know what, why can't you just, if someone has Iranian values or Indian values, just why don't you let them in? There's, there are no liberals like this. In every other place in the world, they would consider this ridiculous. Um, well, I, I would disagree that it's like, but, it was like a conspiracy. Like certainly certain groups had vested interests, but I think what happened was the ruling class, they discovered that after the immigration act in particular that it's probably beneficial to the elites for a variety of reasons okay, not okay, just to dilute the population you have, you have you have west german intellectuals saying the germans voted for hitler and yeah, well, we we're afraid yeah. of that happening and so we need to import 
a bunch of non-Germans to diversify the population to prevent that ever happening again. This, and these people got put in chief policy positions in the EU and stuff like this in the German government. There's people like this organizations in the United States, like the ADL, SPLC, etc., who very clearly state this and who are actively celebrating the demographic replacement of white Americans. Why are they why to, are they uh, celebrating this? To you, because they, they actively, guy, it's, 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 it's a decision. It wasn't like jo- it just jo- happened by accident. Wasn't jo- there an but, Irish TV but, show that Keith Woods talked about recently where it was like a guy who was in uh, migrant from Africa and he was talking to this Irish presenter talking like how, how good it is that there will be no Irish people in about like hmm. 100 years or so. I don't know. It was really... But my, yeah. my concern here, Joel, is that you point out these very specific uh, bad things that have been done, and you completely look over and assume that the solutions that I'm bringing forth is just complete rubbish and nonsense that'll never work. It just seems like you're living in this binary state where it's either these extreme leftists that are going to destroy the uh, culture that uh, Americans and uh, you know other people within the Western world hold dear, you know, or it's uh, you know, or it's just going to be this uh, ethno state, and there's nothing that well, you can see in between. Where here, here's the thing, Joe, 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 hold on, hold on. You've talked a lot. I gotta, I gotta right, get my right. say over here. So I really think again, going back to the whole thing that you are terminally online, as is uh, Geo, as are a lot of people, where this is your reality, where you do have people who are going to manifest the most negative. Um, understandings of what exactly is happening in the world where I honestly don't think a lot of people are like that. I think that there are a lot of people in the United States that want to, as much as they can, live up to a certain ideal. And for those who don't, I mean, that is a problem. That well, has love to be is addressed. different because he gets to stroll down Manhattan with his uh, pass and his mask and, and what's troll taken taking the ethnic uh, restaurants and that's why he uh, could say we're terminally online so no, when Gio, uh, Gio, 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 when, i'm not even i'm not even going when to the lebanese right uh, vendor you know gives him his crop collage there's he a lot can, of homeless uh, people in Manhattan right now. That's the that's the other well, problem. We have a very dysfunctional society in Manhattan. There's a lot of homeless. There's a lot of gangs. There's a lot of problem. That is disorder, and I'm not in favor of that. He goes to the I Lebanese the restaurant where he gets nice baklava, and then he... Uh... <laughs> I am at the same time not in favor of the uh, solutions that you are proposing, well, especially, well, in an interconnected, any... especially in an interconnected Wait. modern landscape that is today's uh, century. But, by the way, Whereas, okay... I, I don't, I don't think it's practically feasible to just kind of mass deport all non-whites from the United States. No, we're not talking about any deportation at all. No, but we're not talking about deportation. What we're talking about here specifically is having a certain standard that I would want people (laughs) to... I was going to tell us to go outside and touch grass. (laughs) So average centrist, what are your thoughts about this? About immigration. We're going to be wrapping up soon. Yeah, uh, about immigration, like... You know, I'll just say it once, but uh, we've got enough Muslims. That's my point of view. We don't need any more. Uh, like I've lived in places with high Muslim um, populations, and you know, some Muslims are sound. You know, what I mean, they're all right. But there's plenty out there who just live a pretty regressive style of life that I'm just not into. Um, how many? How many more rape gangs uh, should we? Should the UK have lived? Yeah, I don't want to None. import any more of that shit. Like, it's just, any more it's jihadists just... selling heroin to like 
14 year olds do you want to see i mean joel it's a very it's a very weird thing that when you're talking about all the shit you're completely it's as if you're intentionally forgetting all the other things that i mentioned you don't want there to be a reality where somebody is actually offering a solution where cultural standards are important where civilizational standards are important. Because and I don't I'm have, off, and I'm our culture doesn't you. even have civilizational standards. And you're just waving it and you're just waving it off because it seems like you want to be in this dualistic reality. What are we gonna do? Where teach teach the Muslims be... to be like libtards who make their kids transgender and like, you know, uh, worship black people or something. And again, when you have this uh, dichotomy where you see things. What is what is our culture? What is our culture? Our culture is, for example, uh, I don't know. Our culture is uh, Shakespeare. Our culture, if we're talking about, let's say, Spain, that would be Cervantes. If we're talking about Russia, it would be uh, Tolstoy. It would be Pushkin. You know, these are remnants of our culture that I think we still inhabit. Yeah, but they've become dead extent. signifiers. They have no. So, so we're gonna, so we're gonna like if we get it. So if we if we get like George people Floyd get their in culture from before, Marvel movies now like ten years earlier if we brought George Floyd in and we said hey you know like um, read some Shakespeare <laughs> so, and, then, and then then he wouldn't have like you know almost like called a gun woman. to a pregnant woman's stomach yeah 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 and no 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 the idea the idea here no no the idea here <laughs> Joel is that before oh my God, before somebody would before somebody would come in here there would have to be a certain jo George Floyd touring to the country hologram the the George Floyd hologram touring the country that is mainstream can, can I say culture something? nowadays I, I, I feel like because it's been so. such a meme but I almost like like I kind of love George Floyd now in a way like he's kind of got this like <laughs> You know what I mean? He's like, he's like cool now. I'm like, I've watched so many videos on him. I've seen so many memes. Like, I, like I kind See, of like. He's the liberal like, god. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, like, oh my god, like so, I fucking love way, George see, now. Like, Seether over here. <laughs> he's Seether over here has the comments. This Some generation cultures... is pretty lost, man. Seether <laughs> says, says. He had some words of wisdom, George Floyd. If mm. you look his uh, recording, yeah, he... Seether. He's the Shakespeare of his time, if you will. Seether, 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 Seether. Seether has a comment here. Some cultures are not compatible with others, period. That's the reality. Seether. Some are, some are, and for those, assimilation should be required for immigrants. So there we go. Again, like, Joe, maybe you want to live in the reality <laughs> By the way, where I say, people where I say chat... all culture... Hold on, Gio. Maybe oh. you live in the reality where you really, really want me to assume that all cultures are compatible. Meanwhile, in this entire conversation, my whole thing has been saying the complete opposite. No, you've been Many saying that we can. We can. Compatible. You've been saying that we can integrate all of these uh, foreigners into our culture. No, and I'm saying I'm no. Skeptical. Notice I how saying that. Notice how love turns into that... authoritarian really fast as soon as you mention Muslims. I find that hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was no, what I was saying is that no, and that's another thing. When that love why, talks that about touched, other, you should have that chart where it's like where love talks about other ethnicities. It's like Gandhi. When love talks about Muslims, Muslims are in a race. <laughs> Muslims are in a race. Okay, Muslims yeah. are in a race. But anyway, 100%. if we're yeah, exactly. well, no, but you know, if we're if we're talking about this, there's more Muslims in Asia than in yeah, uh, exactly. Europe Peninsula. So, yeah. yeah, so if we're talking about the compatibility of cultures. I know that it's going to be not that easy to figure out how exactly do we, before people would actually emigrate, understand whether or not they, as far as how they raise their kids and so on and so forth, whether they would live up to that certain uh, civilizational standard. That's basically what I want. My problem, though, is that even if you deny that that is possible, you're 
kind of completely skimming over that in the examples that you bring up as if I didn't say it because in a way I think it throws a monkey wrench into this idea of either it's this you know liberal you know integration of all the cultures meshed into this uh, thing that doesn't have any definition you know or it's an ethno state where I'm proposing neither and I think that that's not something that many people have uh, talked about and uh, that's no. Yeah, that's I think it would be good. It, it would be good to have a civilization where we have actual values, and that we like socialize people into pro-social behavior. Where like we actually have like we actually believe in stuff and have like like an actual strong moral foundation. Yes, family values, faith. Um, and but, but then the why mention is, the biological limitations that. here? It's not about biology. I'm saying we had that and like one of the weapons used to break that up was bringing in a whole bunch of people who had different values who come from different cultures and creating this mm -hmm. this 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 kind of neutral um non-culture essentially the kind of universal relativism i, was I talking agree about before, i agree with that to accommodate everyone's but it yes but, no Joel, but it again robs them of their culture Joel, you're well. doing but Joel, you're doing it again you're basically repeating what you said before which i agree is okay a let's i'm proposing a solution I, and you're Either saying oh, I really need to eat breakfast, realistic. guys. I'm going <laughs> up right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's like it's like you don't even want to hear the solution because it doesn't fit into this narrative. That that's all I, I'm saying. I, I, I know. I'm just skeptical about the solution. Um, when I'm, I'm just trying, I'm trying to. So, uh, so the alternative would be in the an point. interconnected world to have racial segregation. That's your solution. Um, well, are you? I, I think it's working pretty well for the countries that still have it. I think Japan's doing pretty well being Japanese. I think you know China's doing pretty well being Chinese. I think Israel is doing pretty well being Israeli. So the countries that are doing it seem no, to be no. What, what are you talking about? It's going though. fine for them. Like, as we far have as, these as far as Israel goes, number one, it has. Uh, I mean, we're not specifically talking about Muslims here. We're talking about Arabians. So we have Arabian Jews. That's number one. Number two, we have Love. the Druze. We have the Samaritans. We have different cultures and different Love. racial groups that yeah, are but, living but within still, Israel. It's still as long as they get to a certain cultural, okay, okay so still a cultural. Then, no, this, this is a good example. So, so, yeah. so what you're saying is, is, is that like it actually has a coherent value framework, yes. and it has a yeah. very clear us versus them distinction. And just, yeah, very and you, clear. And you actually they have, a have wall. And, and it's also it's also biological. You actually have to get like a genetic test. Like you can't just like be no. like, oh, I adverted. No, to that's not true. Is that's not true. You don't. I uh, recently found that out. There was this lady who was um, who had a certain medical condition who all she had to do was go to a rabbi and, you know, do the little dance or whatever. And then uh, congratulations, you're Jewish. And she got to go. And they're no, but that's still like up, and they're still, up they have restrictions a... as well. All right, well, all right. they still have a rule of the that If we could develop our own kind of cultural interiority to the point that we can make a very clear us versus them distinction and like build families and communities that, that yeah, like, love pass that you're down American. coherently. <laughs> I'd, I'd be. I'd, said, I'd, no, I'd, well, like, with that's Israel, a world what, nose, we are now. nose exposed. Nose exposed. <laughs> Once again, Gio, you're I love living, you, love, I love you, you're love. living in Leafland where you could only dream of having the kind of high civilizational standards no, if, that if, the Jewish that the if Jewish I had a choice between the, the Israeli system and right Canada, I choose Israel in a fucking heartbeat. Okay, <laughs> not necessarily Jewish, but you know what I mean, like to live in. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm not like, I'm saying, like having like yeah. zero immigration anywhere at all times. Like I'm not like some like I'm not being autistic about it. I'm just talking, I'm talking about. I'm talking about like mass immigration and the kind of 
rationales that people always give to justify it. And, and I feel like it needs to be yeah. talked about directly for what it is. We like already the, know like that, the, though. That, that's the thing, like, Joe. I think we're all in agreement that this is a problem. My whole thing is, okay, when it comes to the solution for it, the solution of having some kind of a, you know, strict racial segregation where because you were born here and your ancestors were so on and so forth, you are not allowed to participate. I think that's bullshit. And I don't think that we need to have that kind of system uh, as far as solving the problems that are very obvious to all of us here. That's That's been my point no, throughout this whole to, fucking thing. Who said in the chat is if Japan is good for Japanese people. No, Japan is good for Japanese people, although Japan has a lot of systemic... Um, cultural and demographic problems it, that come about if it's good or bad problems. if it's good or bad at least it's still japanese like yeah at least, yeah. At, at least it doesn't ex it isn't existentially committing yeah. suicide well like, actually like the if we're talking about the japanese the, the japanese what are the japanese they're like the jomon and yayoi it's actually interesting they were kind of persecuting the uh more fu full-blooded jomon people weren't they the ones that are like looking well, like sean connery you know up in the uh, yeah, Hokkaido they, area they, yeah, the ones that were with Europeans more. They, yeah. they have a lot of weird, like Korea. Like there are people who are like half Korean that are kind of like excluded in Japan. <laughs> like you're not full yeah. Japanese. And again, which is Japan, funny because like Ricky yeah. Ricky Choshu was like their national hero, but he was like from Korea. Mm -hmm. I, was it Ricky Choshu from Korea? Yeah. And by the way, it's interesting. Jack says over here, Israel is by law a Jewish state. Funny how it's very similar, kind of like uh, with uh, England, although I think England has a lot more, uh, you know, worse uh, policies when it comes to you cannot criticize migrants and so forth. It's interesting because a lot of these things are like in name, they're a religious state, while in action, it couldn't be anything uh, further from the truth. What as do you far mean? As, what I mean is like. Well, let's say when you end up becoming, you know, Jewish, you know, going to the rabbi, doing the song and dance in order to go to Israel. So then you go to Israel and then you could just like, you know, do whatever the fuck you want. Put on a bikini. It doesn't matter. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Because at the end of the day, a lot of these religious things are just a front for being able to maintain a high civilization level. For me, that's where it goes back to high civilization that's what i care about i don't care about racial characteristics i don't care about any of that crap as long as that can be maintained i'm good what about you average centrist what do you think uh when it comes to when it comes to england in terms of that like we're we're not like um we have a like we have like what is quote unquote the state official religion which is the fucking um church of england um, but we don't, it's not really enforced. In fact, I think I'm pretty sure Britain is the most atheistic uh, country in the world. Um, like most, it's like 60% plus people um, tick like they're just not religious in, uh, in this country. So yeah, none of that shit is really enforced, but I do think it comes with its own pluses and minuses because um, it ends up meaning that a lot of people get atomized. And this comes back to what we were talking about earlier, like the, it's contributed to a breakdown of community, especially in working class communities. Uh, so <clears throat> I don't even know. I'm not exactly sure what, what to say about that, really, because I've not really lived in, in my experience. I've not really lived in like a super religious country or anything. Mm. Like that, so I can't really. Well, not, not so much. In, if I yeah. could be charitable to Lev, the, the, like the this kind of idea that, oh, if we're all just like genetically similar, then everything will work itself out. Obviously that's, that's dumb. It's reductionist. And that's a, I think it's a straw man view of what most um, people from my side of the fence actually think, you know, I, I like 
yeah, you do need to have like an actual rigorous culture and that culture needs to develop its own unique yeah, customs exactly. and traditions for dealing with, um, there's going to be some way in which some set of customs that it develops in which it maybe integrates outsiders into itself. But the idea that like the kind of like the kind of libtard framing of how that works is what I'm objecting to. I don't like, and so you, you need to have a kind of affirmation of yourself in order to actually do that successfully. You actually have to believe in who you are and have a strong vision of who you are and exclude a lot of people that maybe want to come into, into that because they aren't actually able to integrate into your system. And there's a strong correlation mm. between this and family and tradition, uh, yeah. like, you know, family lineage and therefore genetics. So there is a kind of correlation yeah. that's very strong mm. and you can't deny it. Like, mm. like the fact that I have the genes that I have or the fact that I have like the ethnicity that I am, that, that means something. Like there is a certain character to my people or mm. same with Gio as an Italian or whatever, that, that is just true. Even if we, he lives in Canada and I live in Australia, it's still, there's still like an, there's still like an essence to that, that mm. I think is real. Well, I don't want to deny that. So like, I, don't know, I don't care about it at all. It's still significant, but yes, like just being like a biological, like just totally thinking in terms of genes or whatever, that's also silly as well. So, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of marry. It's like a nuance, like you need mm. to like, you know, you need to tip the fedora and have nuance on this one. So I think just, like, um, just to maybe put what I was saying in a bit more perspective, like, even though our country isn't that religious, um, I'd be way happier hearing about like, say, Indian Christians coming to this country than like a bunch of Muslims, for instance, or I'm more stoked about like Hong Kongers coming here than like maybe my mainland Chinese, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I'm, I would pick and choose more on that kind of cultural basis, I suppose. Yeah. Although I guess the argument could be made both for the United States and for England is that we're full in the way like there's in terms of welfare, in terms of all this stuff, there are an extremely large amount of people. Yeah, England needs living. to cut out all immigration, in my opinion. I mean, just, just in terms of being able to handle people. handle yeah. the amount of people who are who are already living in these countries. Although, again, like when it comes to people, and we kind of had that conversation about like uh, a like Asians in America. Uh, when it comes to the more professional class people, I know Gio, you like bringing up the uh, what do you call it, the IQ shredder and all that. And honestly, I, I don't know. I I give a shit way less about any of that i think that uh, there's always going to be less people who are within any kind of professional class you know people who are able to figure things out in advance i think more people are just going to go with the flow and uh you know be on autopilot kind of like npcs but anyway uh we have more super chats here what uh nick larson wait hold on no before that we had a couple of more uh we had um stop asking for my name five dollars get jay dyer on here sometime i guarantee it'll be fire i'm gonna be working on that next we got nick larson 4.99 thanks for another good one levin geo joel rules glad you mentioned keith him and emj both seem receptive to being on podcasts just a thought and lastly we got uh 199 for well, joel keith. has to work over keith a little bit for uh Mm. Never mind. That's what I mentioned that I successfully I was losing this poll because Sticks retweeted it to all of his followers and I was down 18% to 80 something percent. And I've just successfully fortified the poll and I'm 50.1 <laughs> at the last moment oh. with my I had uh amazing, had, you know. Yeah, I had all my um, you know, a election staff working overtime. <laughs> the the vote count was slow, but we we got there in the end. 
Well, there we go. We did next, it. We did it. Yeah. Next, we got a uh, TA one ninety nine. Has King Cobra been on here? Not yet. I'm not really sure who King Cobra is. Although I like, I like what Cobras look like. Though I like you, you have know, to know the deep like lore, that, love that the hood and all that. Yes. Yes. Indeed. All right, guys, this is it. This was a very, very interesting episode. We got, like, the first part with Sticks. Then we had the second uh, post-debate, debate, as it will, with me uh, versus Joel and Avercentrist and Geo joining in on this thing. It was an interesting conversation. Again, like, uh, you know where I stand when it comes to the uh, biological stuff. Like, I bring up, uh, for example, Anton Chekhov, who's a famous Russian uh, writer, he came, you could say, from, like, the biological stock of um, Russian serfs, you know, many of whom were, you know, getting drunk all the time. And, you know, Geo, you know, I always love to say, like, beating, beating their wives, them, yeah, beating their wives, all that. Yet, despite all that, a brilliant uh, Russian writer ended up being born from within, uh, you know, from, from within that part. The reason why I bring somebody like him up is that there always are going to be exceptions to any rules people would place. And especially when you have people who are already living, uh, you know, in certain countries, you're Sometimes going to create a fifth exceptions column. exceptions aren't worth compromising the rule, though. Sometimes the rule is worth losing the exceptions because the rule is that, that good, that the exceptions aren't better than... But the negatives of breaking the rule to gain the exceptions are not worth I would, maintaining the rule anyway. I would There's argue many with, cases like that in life. There's many I could, cases. No, like I, that. I could I could see I could see how that uh, how that could occur. The reason why I would argue against that is if we're not just focused on, you know, like freezing time and time stands still and this is what you implement, but you actually focus on, okay, what's gonna be the repercussion of that? I would say we've already seen the repercussion of that in terms of having a fifth column of people who feel resentment because they feel like no matter how hard they try, they can't uh, get to a certain position. I'll give you an example with the Russian Empire. During the Russian Empire, even after the serfs were freed, you had serfs or ex-serfs now who could, uh, you know, like even like the uh, sons uh, of the serfs who could have a job as like, I don't know, like a um, engineer or like, a, you know, a certain level. I don't remember what it, what it was called, but like some technological job. They could only have a promotion to a certain extent and no more. They could not go higher than a certain um, than a certain promotion. And that was like a set <coughs> rule for everybody. And I think that that was one of the things, I'm not saying the only thing, but that was like one of the things that ended up fomenting this hatred that a lot of Russians ended up feeling with their, uh, with their society, which ended up leading to the uh, 1917 revolution. So that is like one example of how a lot of these things that may make sense in this like freeze frame view end up creating disastrous consequences. Yeah, sure. But then the, the counter to that is very simple one which is that you were talking about resentment but the idea if you have a very strong like a uh, dominant culture and then you have these like peripheral peoples that are like kind of like uh, trying to earn the respect of the dominant culture try and earn recognition and inclusion um the prestige of gaining that recognition and inclusion is high and the penalties for not gaining it is low so that disciplines the um you know the the minority to embrace the majority. Whereas if you have a weak majority, which is unsure of itself, which um, proselytizes about how terrible it is and how great all these other, um, you know, oppressed minorities are and how terrible they treat them, then you create a learned behavior where the 
the minorities then learn that if I complain really loud about how oppressed I am all the time and I develop this victimhood mindset, I get enabled. Like you, you don't want to enable someone to just keep uh, blaming other people for everything that's going wrong in their life because then they yeah, become dependent sure, upon your you, enabling. But you misrepresented and, my first point. My first point was not that uh, it would be harder for people. Uh, my point was that in general, you would not ever be able to get to a certain position in life solely based on who your father was. You know, solely based on what your ancestry is, nothing having to do with merit. And if that's the limiting factor, if there's like literally nothing that people can do, then that is a recipe, I think, for a lot of antagonism yeah, that yeah, is makes, completely you, you, unneeded. If you're gonna, you're gonna have to try and find like a, like a, a like a kind of a, like a dignity. If you're gonna have a, if you're gonna have a nation, because like multi-ethnic nations can exist and they can function much better than the American, the Americans are functioning right now. The America is totally dysfunctional because of the way that it's approached to it. But obviously, there in history there have been multi-ethnic empires that have been more functional. Um, and you know, you can't, you have to accept a certain dignity to others. You can't, uh, yeah. You, you know, but so. But, that, so, but that's that all I'm sense. talking about at the end of the day. But you still, but you, that, still uh, you still have to affirm a kind of dominant, um, like a, a kind of dominant majority, uh, and it's yeah. Uh, and, well, and if, 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 if we're if, talking about a civilizational dominant majority, as far as certain customs, certain ways people act, that's what I've been talking about this whole time. So yeah, no, in that I, sense, I, like, I, there's I no, this. there's no difference. No. The only difference would be kind of like in how would that be imposed and again we're not really going to see think... right now eye to eye on the actual process of imposing I, I, it where you know like if we I, could I don't, go back yeah. to the beginning if we could go back to like the 1930s and start again or something it could be different but now i feel like the argument that i made at very back at the beginning of this part of the conversation was that i think the damage has been done it's the resentment and the rivalry is it, so baked into the cake that now i don't see like a kind mm. of solution where we all get along i, I don't know see, see I if i if i lived uh, libtard, like we're all equal, if you lived in the uh, late solution. 60s and early 70s or mid 70s or whatever in the united states i wonder if you would see things differently there because again just like i was bringing up the example of the uh, shockwave from having the molly jong fasts in all these uh, teeny bopper magazines you know it's almost like we're seeing this disastrous after effect right now we may not have been you know we can only read about the shit that happened before and that i think is a big handicap when it comes to any of these arguments because we're oh. only we're only but anyway you guys you guys know what i'm talking about anyway anyways this is the I'm end of the show fucking... <laughs> this is the end of the show thank you guys so much for watching oh. thank you so much for the super chats patreon.com once again this is the uh, Styx uh, dragon right here. Look at the look at this beautiful thing. My father's an amazing craftsman, and uh, this could be yours for a fifty dollar patronage. For twenty dollar patronage, is going to be smaller. You are going to have a beautiful um, prints by Giovanni Panacchietti for the thirty dollar patronage, and for the five dollar page no for the twenty dollar patronage, you're also going to get like a custom uh, magnet so let us know if you're like a fan of sticks let me know that i'm here because of sticks when you become a patron and we will send you like the small uh, dragon magnet and uh for five dollars you're going to get all kinds of uh discord stuff speaking of which go to our discord i'm posting the link to our discord right over here in the chat so join our discord here we go and uh yeah subscribe. i need to do more patreon only content for five dollars yes. Yes, yes, yes. So keep subscribing. This is the end of the show. Thank you so much, Average Centrist. Uh, where can we find you? You are on Twitter. Let me uh, 
post your Twitter here. There we go. Any final thoughts, by the way, Avercentrist, on the conversation before we end? Uh, I don't know. I think everything that needs to be said has been said, really. I don't know if I'm going to be able to say anything more <laughs> insightful than what's already been said. There we go. Follow G follow Geo on Twitter, twitter.com slash giant geo. Follow his YouTube, subscribe to his YouTube, rather, youtube.com slash giant art productions. I just came with a video yesterday, a thread read where I read this fucking ghouls uh, thread that I just shredded apart about like the early internet and millennials and all this crap. Uh, I go off a bit on it. So. Hmm. That sounds good. There you go. And the next over here, twitter.com slash Joel Davis X. Follow Joel on Twitter for his spicy takes and uh, go to firstness.org. He is the chief editor of firstness.org. Here is the link. And also uh, Imperium Imperium Cast. Follow the Imperium uh, podcast over here. Imperiumpress.org. You can buy Firstness uh, issue two, and you can find the Imperium cast, and you can find all the other Imperium Press catalog. It's a great publishing company. There we go. By the way, you called it Imperium. Does that mean you're in favor of imperialism? Uh, I didn't name the uh, Imperium Press. Uh, Mike, the CEO, he came up with the name. Um, Mm. The question of imperialism is complicated. If I I don't think uh, Gio really has it in him to go down that route. Yeah, we could we could say that. We'll say that for later. We could we'll say, say that, that for, for another later. another stream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we could talk about that. Maybe yes. we could get Mike on one day. And finally, follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash levpo. I'm going to be posting a lot more NFTs coming out. My Musk Calls NFT is uh, almost done. It's going to be finished real soon. So, uh, in fact, go to superrare.com slash levpoliakov. Buy my fucking NFTs. There we go. We are done. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe. Keep subscribing as always. God bless and goodbye. And goodbye. Hold on, this is not over yet because I actually have to go to channel content. Click this thing, here we go, live control room, and we are ending the stream.